What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Pixar Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Jack Bartek and Rev. This is now episode 50 and in today's episode, we're going to be doing our preview for the Eastern Conference of the NBA season. We're going to give an overview of each team and then give our standings predictions for each conference. Well, for the Eastern in this episode, the overview is going to consist of who they brought in in the draft and free agency, who left in free agency, projected starting lineups, if they brought in a coach or not role players and their projected seedings and at the end of the episode we're gonna rank them and we're gonna try to come up with our own standings for who will be where at the end of the season we're gonna go from the first seed to the 15th seed and for these projected seedings it's just the projected seedings I did not put how many games are gonna win because this year they're playing 72 games it's really up in the air so I didn't want to do all that math I'm just gonna do the projected seedings on this one Okay, bro. I'm just it. excited to be back, man. Although we're no, not technically not, back and not, back. Not technically back, though. You're still not uh, technically back, but I'm just happy to be back on. I missed a couple of episodes, so it's nice to just be back talking to you guys. Even though there's a blizzard outside right now. Yeah. Oh, wow. It, it's no yeah. pretty crazy. Probably Riv hasn't looked out his window in like two hours. I, did, I just <laughs> looked out. And I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, I had to call out of work. It's getting a little walk and stuff, so I'm in the crib tonight. Yeah, Less this is uh, it's snowing pretty hard. We're in New Jersey. There's a blizzard, so it's it's everybody stay safe out there. We're not we're not in New Jersey. We're not in. New Jersey. Well, we're me and Jack are in New Jersey. You're in New York. It's the same thing. It's a tri-state <laughs> area. But okay, we're gonna go on to the first team. The Milwaukee Bucks, they finished 58 and 17 last year. They were the first seed in the Eastern Conference. And look, I mean, they brought in some guys. I really like what they did in the in free agency. They brought in Tory Craig. They brought in Brian Forbes. They brought in um, Bobby Portis, Drew Holiday. They traded for him, DJ Augustine. So they brought in some guys. And I think after Giannis signed his max extension, Giannis is all in. Giannis is all in on the Bucks. He trusts what they did this offseason. And I think everybody's expecting them to compete and make it farther than they did last year. I, for them, I feel like it's championship or bust. Mm. It's, it's an interesting offseason for the Bucks because going into it, the big question was Giannis. And from everything you read, he essentially went to the Bucks and gave them an ultimatum, <laughs> make us a championship team or I'm out of here. And you got to give credit to John Horst going out there, making moves. Of course, he lands Drew Holiday for a hefty price tag and then tries to get Bogdanovich. And although that falls through, I think it showed Giannis, like, they're they're all in on him. They're doing everything that he wants them to do to make them a championship contender. And I think it's nice just to get that black cloud of Giannis's contract, you know, coming to an end out of the way. And now you can go into the season fully prepared. Everybody's locked in on a championship. You don't have to worry about losing your guy next season. And I like the move that they made to go out and get Drew Holiday, although they lose George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, Wesley Matthews. You look at who they brought in in Drew Holiday, and then they also made some nice signings. You brought up Brennan Forbes and Torrey Craig and Bobby Portis, who I also think will bring some nice depth off the bench. 
looking at that starting lineup, Drew Holiday, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, that's going to be one of the best defensive units in the league. So I think they're well positioned to be the best team in the Eastern Conference and maybe in all of the league this season. I do agree. I think this is definitely, and we, this is champ. And I, you know what's crazy? We had an episode one time we was talking about how Giannis should stay because small market teams don't get those guys that should stay for the long term. And I think this is really interesting. I still, I'm not on the 100% wagon that he'll stay. I still think a sign, a, a trade is possible down the line. But I do like the fact that he's committed for right now. And this is a team that's definitely well oriented to make the playoffs. I think. Drew, George Hill is going to be missed, but DJ Augustine, I feel like they're on the same tier. And Drew Holiday is a step up from Eric Bledsoe. So you got guys who can defend and hit the three ball with Bobby Porter's, Tory Craig, Chris Middleton. You got Drew Holiday, who's a playmaker, an elite defender, and can score. And then Giannis, if he keeps improving and getting that jump shot right, they're going to be an unstoppable. And I, I do agree this is definitely championship or bust. I mean, one Coach thing- Budenholzer, uh, sorry to cut you off, but Coach Budenholzer, He's had this, he's having this reputation thus far that he's a great regular season coach, but he can't get it done in the playoffs. And it's so true in Atlanta, Milwaukee so far. So, I mean, this is a big year for him as well. You're 100% right. And that's what I was going to say is I love Coach Budenholzer. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league and he does a great job getting the most out of his talent. But Come playoff time, he hasn't been able to get the job done. And I think he's got this year and maybe next year, if they don't win a championship in these next two seasons, I would find it hard to imagine Coach Budenholzer will be the guy after that, just because they're going to need to shake something up and they're not going to change the rotation before they change the coach. So this is really a, a prove-it season for Coach Budenholzer. I don't, I don't think that holds true in Atlanta because they never really had a superstar player. I think that more on the lines for this team, the Bucks, because they have a Giannis. I mean, they did make the ECF, and they were up 2-0 at a point, so I think you can call that a successful season. And I think last year, obviously, they ran into Miami, and that was they got destroyed, basically. But, yeah, I definitely do agree. In, in the next two or three seasons, if he doesn't get it going, they should definitely think about making an adjustment at the coaching spot. In the draft, they drafted Jordan Nora and Sam Merrill. I like Sam Merrill's game. He's not projected to be a good defender at all, but he's a sharp shooter. Neither of these rookies, neither of these rookies will probably play, but I love their starting lineup. Drew Holiday, Giannis, Lopez, Middleton. You mentioned that, Jack. I think they should start Brian Forbes. You know what's crazy? We forgot about Dante DiVincenzo, whatever. Yeah, his last Dante DiVincenzo is still there. I mean. They should start Brian Forbes. He's a sharp shooter. Sacrifice some of his defensive limitations because everybody else on the team is so great defensively. It was great that they got rid of Bledsoe because he was such a liability on the court, even though he was a great defender. On offense. Yeah, if you can't shoot, it's really hard to play next to Giannis who can't shoot. In, In the modern NBA, you need to have everybody on the court that can shoot. If not, your most dominant player, which is Giannis, who can't shoot, you have to surround him with the most shooters. And I think Jordan, um, I think Brian Forbes does that to he can maximize this Bucks offense if he starts. Yeah, and, and I think there's two real keys for the Bucks this season, and one of them is those shooters coming up and producing around Giannis. Because listen, you know what Giannis is going to be at the end of the day. He's going to give you probably around 30, 10, and seven a night, and, and he's going to be the guy. Guys need to produce around him. And I think you saw it in that heat series last year when, or this past season, I should say, 
they stopped Giannis as much as you possibly can. And the rest of the team did not produce. So as much as Giannis deserves some of the blame, that supporting cast deserved a lot of blame too. And they only stepped it up when Giannis went off the court with the injury. You can't wait until that happens because you're never going to win without Giannis on the court. So you need to be able to step up with him there. It's something the Lakers did excellently last year with LeBron and AD. They didn't take away from each other. And I think Chris Middleton is the other part that I wanted to bring up. He's got to step up his game and play to the all-star potential. We know he can. If they do that, they're going to be scary. Yeah, and then I was in these last two uh, runs from Milwaukee. I was never high. I was always under the belief where if Chris Middleton was your second best player, you weren't gonna make a championship run. But now you have two perennial perennial All Stars in Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, where you can now miss and match both of them play D. So it's going to be interesting. And I think that supporting cast is definitely going to show up for this team, and I definitely do think they have a big chance to meet. I have them actually going to the championship this year in Milwaukee. That's that's going to be my pick this year to go into the championship. I think the team is deep, and Giannis is going to he's come back every year better and better. And I think this year we're going to see a little bit of the mid-range, the post-up, and we're going to definitely see a different game from Giannis. I mean, we could just mention some of the role players that they have now. In my notes, the starting lineup, like I said, that I have them having is Holiday, Forbes, Giannis, Middleton, and Lopez. Off the bench, I would like to see DiFincenzo, DJ Augustine, Bobby Portis, Tory Craig, DJ Wilson, Pat Connaughton. Like, they got some guys, especially DJ Augustine. He's a very good backup point guard. Even though he, last year in Orlando, he's, he was one of the worst starting point guards in the league. But now you go to the backup role, you're one of the best backup point guards. Ethan Chenzo's good. He's a high-energy player. Bobby Portis, I, I saw it firsthand on the Knicks. He won us some games you know he's capable of getting hot and going crazy and winning you a game you know whether it may be in the regular season or playoffs is to be determined but they got a lot of guys bro and I'm really high on their role players and their depth as a whole I think they fit with Giannis and that's the most important part yeah and I went with almost the same exact lineup as you except I had DiVincenzo starting over Brent Forbes and then Forbes coming off the bench Another guy you mentioned that I feel like a lot of people are letting fly under the radar is DJ Wilson. He played a pretty solid role for them last year. And from everything I've heard, he's taken a big step in this past off season. So he could be a big piece for that team. I like the depth that they brought in. Bobby Portis is a nice high energy guy to come in behind Brooke Lopez, who he's a great defender, great shooter, but he's getting older. So you're going to need that high energy backup. I think that Bobby Portis is a great fit there. And like you mentioned, they just brought in some nice veterans to surround that core that they already have. And I really like the rotation they built around Giannis. It's a perfect fit. Uh, I, I, I like those two lines. I, I was rolling out a different lineup. I think they're going to go pretty pretty wing depth. I think they're going to go Drew at the one, Torrey Craig at the two, Middleton at the three, and then obviously Giannis and Lopez. I think in the East with Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, I think you're going to need a little bit of wing depth. And I think Drew Holiday is going to be a – permanent one this year for them so I think that's what the lineup they were going to roll out I, I do like those lineups you're throwing out but I think this one gives you a little bit more defense and still the same shooting aspect with Torrey Craig and Middleton and I think with Torrey Craig in the lineup you now take that defensive pressure off Middleton Middleton who's used to guarding the best wing defenders now he can focus a lot more on scoring the ball and bring that a little bit to his game because he can you know score off the ball he can be that guy but now with Craig, he could guard the best player, and now Middleton could play a little bit less defense. 
now we're going to get into projections. Last year, they were the first seed in the East. Do you see them repeating that? I'll, I'll go first, and I'll say that I think they'll be the first seed once again. You know, I have them as high as – I have them as high as one, of course, and I have them as low as third. I don't, I don't see them dropping anywhere below the third seed. And this is a team that last year they were historically they were historically great offensively and defensively in the regular season. They got better this year, and as long as Mike Budenholzer is there and they have that talent, I trust in them to be the best team in the regular season once again. Yeah, I also have the Bucks at one. I just think that when you look at Giannis, the times that he's been most exposed is in a playoff series because he's a very difficult guy to game plan for. It takes a specific personnel and game plan to stop him. And the regular season, you just can't do that on a nightly basis. So a guy like him, he's going to bring you in a 72-game season at least 40 wins by himself. So I just don't see many teams stopping the Bucks on a nightly basis in the regular season. I have them at one. The lowest I could really see them dropping is maybe four. And that would be a nightmare scenario for them. But I, I think anything below one or two would really be a bust of a regular season for them. I'm a fan of the fact that the Bucks, no matter the time, no matter the moment, they play hard every day, every night. So the regular season, they're going to go hard. Same with Giannis. He's not going to take days off. He's going to play hard every day. So I'm under the belief that they will be the number one seed again. The lowest I have them going is three. I feel like they're going to win about 55 to 60 games. And I think they're going to just completely – dominate the regular season because regular season is different than the playoffs. You don't play the same team repeatedly day by day. you got to play different teams, the different matchups. So I, I have them being number one seed and the lowest is probably three. So now we're going to move on to the next team, the second seed last year, the Toronto Raptors. This was a surprise for a lot of people. After losing Kawhi, people didn't think that the Raptors were going to be as high as they finished. But they finished 53 and 19, second in the Eastern Conference. They lost to Boston 4 3 in the divisional round, really close to making it to the Western Conference Finals. But I just think don't sleep on them. Don't sleep on Toronto. I know they lost Mark Gasol and Sergi Baca, but they gained Aaron Baines. And I think Aaron Baines can, is, is a, at this point in his career, is better than Mark Gasol. I, I think Aaron Baines is better than him. He's a, <clears throat> He can be more consistent from the three, which is what Marcus Gasol struggled with in the playoffs. I mean, they brought in Fred Van Vliet. They re-signed him, which was huge. Alex Len, DeAndre Bembry. I mean, I really count on the Raptors to maximizing these guys for whatever they have left. And we've been seeing it lately in the preseason. Malachi Flynn has been awesome. He looks like a draft day steal. And now you have a three-guard lineup of Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, and Malachi Flynn. We know that we know that Lowry and Fred Van Vliet aren't always healthy. So now you have Malachi Flynn who's going to play a huge role, and I think he's ready for that. He looks he looks really good so far. Yeah, I like the Raptors, and I give them a lot more credit than I probably would in a different situation because of Nick Nurse. He's the best coach in the league, in my opinion, and like you said, he's going to maximize the talent that he has. My only issue with them is it's going to take a lot of development this season. They're going to have to take another step this year that they didn't necessarily take last year. And I think that that's what hurt them playoff time. Pascal defensively, they're going to be great. There's no question about that. Again, that comes from Nick nurse and having a bunch of dogs in the lineup, but offensively they need someone to step up and be the guy. Is it going to be OG Ananobi? 
I don't think he's going to be that type of guy. Can Siakam grow his offensive game to that point? That's one of the biggest question marks surrounding him. If he does that, my take will definitely change on this. But I do think overall losing Gasol and DeBaca and then replacing that with Baines and Bembry or Len, I think was a slight downgrade just because the Ibaka piece was, was bigger for me than the Gasol piece. But I do like the addition of Baines. I still think they're going to be a playoff team, no question. They're one of my six locks in the Eastern Conference. And I agree, Malachi Flynn was one of the biggest steals on draft day. He was great at San Diego State last season and one of the best, best uh years for that program in, in almost a decade it's where Kawhi came from so maybe a little more San Diego State magic there but I like I like the Raptors but it's going to take a lot of work out of their young guys to get them back to where they were last year and, and before um, you go I think OG and Nunaby is going to be a newbie a newbie or whatever no, a newbie a newbie <laughs> and an Obi and an Obi. Oh, that's... <laughs> yeah, that's what I said no, well, I think, the Ananubi, I think that's what uh, you said. OG Ananobi is going to be in the conversation for most improved player this year. I think every single year he's grown his game. And out of Indiana, he was supposed to be a top pick. He only fell because of injury. And I think his potential is really high. He has a high ceiling. And shout out to my boy Jack, because I, I was just about to talk about Malachi Flynn. He was one of the key components in a historic San Diego State season. And I know it went down, it shut down because of COVID. He was a great player. He was going to get drafted regardless of the season. But for Toronto, and I know people think I'm a big Toronto hater, but no, I do think defensively, they're always going to be at the top of their game, whether it's regular season playoffs. They're always going to play defense no matter the situation offensively. It's just going to be tough because they still have to fill that void of that Kawhi, that guy who can get you a bucket down the stretch in crunch time, prime time. And Kyle Lowry can do it. Family can do it, but you just, it's just something about Kawhi. He was just a different beast on that level. We don't know if Pascal Siakam is going to be that yet. You know, he still has time to grow his game and improve, but I still, I do think they're still a great regular season team. I think they're going to be tough for whoever they play in the playoffs. It's going to be a dogfight regardless. They just have to figure out because when they played Boston, it was a lot of times they lost down the stretch. You know, those games were particularly close and they lost a lot of games in crunch time. So they need that guy to get it going. And we have to still see if Pascal is going to be that guy. But I do have them as a really great team in the regular season. I mean, also, their starting lineup, I think this year projected one, is Lowry, Van Vliet, Anunoby, Siakam. Pascal. Oh, Ananobi, Siakam, and Aaron Baines. And I think their bench is really good. I mean, we've seen – I think Matt Thomas is ready to take a step up. Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis. Norman Powell is still there. We mentioned Malachi, Chris Boucher. Chris, yeah, him. So Patrick McCall, we'll see. He's like a really big meme in like the NBA community. But he's undefeated. I think he was undefeated in the finals. I don't think anymore. But oh no, yeah, he is. I no, think. he is. He's undefeated. But yeah, I think they still have a very good starting lineup. They still have a bunch of depth. I mean, Terrence Davis, he was a rookie last year. He's gonna get better this year. Norman Powell is a guaranteed fifteen point fifteen points per game per night. You know, around there every single night. Malachi Flynn, we mentioned him. So they still have a bunch of depth. That problem is just going to be they don't have a star to close out those big games in the playoffs. But in the regular season, I think they'll, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I really like the Raptors as a regular season team. And I like what Riv said about them. They're going to be a great regular season team just because they're really well coached and they have a bunch of scrappy guys. I would not be surprised to see them make a move at some point this season. 
And I don't know what star is going to become available, but I feel like every year, you know, we see a circumstance where a star becomes, you know, the, the victim of trade rumors, maybe James Harden. I know the Raptors weren't on his list, but he's a name that's been floated around. They have some nice young pieces and a lot of picks moving forward. We saw them do the same thing, go out and get Kawhi. And we saw how fruitful it was for them to get that one year rental. So, you know, I would not be surprised at all to see them go out and find a star at the deadline or something like that, that can fill that void. And if they do that, they're a totally different team because that's the piece they're missing. Oh yeah. Most definitely. I think they get it. I think Harden goes there. You instantly think, yeah, this is the one or two best teams in the East in top five in the league. Definitely. I think this team is a great supporting cast. That's well fitted for a superstar that they get a superstar. This team, same thing with Kawhi. This team is going to go to the finals and they're going to win. And I think it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, Kyle Lowry, he's up there in age. He hasn't really shown it in his game, but he is up there in age. And Fred Van Vliet, them two are kind of small in a sense, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they're going to match up now with these other teams. But I do like the rotation. I like Terrence Davis. I like OG and Ubi. I want to see the pro- I want to see the projection of how good these guys can really be. I do agree, though. I think OG Newby is going to be in that conversation for most improved player. If he has that handle right, because defense is going to be there, but if he has that handle right, I think he's really going to show something this year. Last year, they finished second in the Eastern Conference. This year, I'm not as high on them. I don't think they'll finish second. In fact, I think they'll drop. My projection for them is they'll finish at the sixth seed. Mm. But damn, I think they can finish as high as third. Because they'll be a really good regular season team, they'll finish as high as third, and the lowest they'll finish is six. Because you have Brooklyn, you have Boston, you have Philly, you have Milwaukee, um, you have Miami. Those are all teams that I think have more star power than the Raptors, and they should finish better than them in the regular season. But we all know how the Raptors can be in the regular season. So, you know, that's why I, I can see them being as high as third, but I would pick them to be six. I think that Joel might've been cheating off of my notes because I literally had the same exact thing. I had them finishing at sixth overall in the regular season, but like you said, I could see them finishing as high as third, maybe even second, depending on how things shake out in the rest of the East. But like I mentioned, they are one of my six Eastern conference locks. I don't see any situation barring injuries where they miss, you know, that top six seeds. But I think out of those six teams that we'll get through, they're the least talented in my eyes. So that's why I have them at six this year. They really over-exceeded expectations last year, and I think they're going to take a step back this year. I'm not – I feel like the Nets are going to – I feel like you guys are correct. I do agree. They, in terms of star power, they're not top tier in the league. But I do think the Nets are going to – they have injuries concerns. I think Katie and Kyrie are going to miss some games. I think Philly – Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, they're going to miss some games. I think Miami, they're not as strong as last year. They lost a lot of wing depth, but we'll get to that later. But that's why I think Toronto, I got them in third seed. I think regular season, they're going to do what they do. They're going to play hard, and they're going to score a lot of points. I think offensively and defensively, they're going to be there. So I have them as third seed. The lowest I have them is probably five. But just off the strength of the Nets' injuries concerns and Philly's injuries concerns, I don't have them too high. I think for those two teams, I think for the Nets, it doesn't matter what seed they are. But I think injuries aside, this team is healthy. They're deep. So I have them as a third seed. Yes, we can all agree the Toronto Raptors are going to be a really good, if not great, regular season team. 
The Boston Celtics had a pretty great regular season last season as well. Jason Tatum blossomed into a borderline superstar player. A lot of people are picking him to go even further with this game this season. Last year, they finished with third seed, 46 and 24. They lost to Miami, 4-2 in the Eastern Conference Finals. And they're one piece away. And they're hoping that that piece is a combination of Jeff Teague and Trishan Thompson and the drafting of Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard. You know, who knows? But, I mean, they lost Ennis Cancer, which I don't think is that big of a loss. Gordon Hayward, they signed and traded him. And now because of that, they have a trade exception worth $28 million. And Brad Wanamaker left, which I think was one of the worst backup point guards in the league. So, you know, you swap him from Jeff Teague and you get better. I think the Boston Celtics, they're another one of those teams that this year is championship robust. They have championship aspirations. Tristan Thompson is supposed to go into that team and be that leading rebounder. He's a pretty good agile defender. He can defend some perimeter guards. He's good in the paint. He does a good job on Joel Embiid. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that you that there is to like about Boston, but I'm just not sure how everything is going to mesh together, who's going to step up. It, it's just really up in the air. Outside of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, what is Kemba giving you? Because he's a very – they people target him on the defensive end. So he's a liability when he's on the court if he's not producing on offense. Yeah, I, I like I like the Celtics. I think they're in a similar position to the Raptors where they have a lot of young talent that needs to step up. But I think that their young talent is on a different level. You know, they have two guys in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who I think have bona fide superstar potential. Maybe not Brown. Maybe Brown is more of a borderline star than superstar, but he took a huge leap last year. And they're both super young. So I think they have a really interesting team. That center spot concerns me. We've spoken about it. I think that 28 and a half million trade exception is going to be crucial to their season because to me, Tristan Thompson just feels like putting a bandaid on a bullet hole. Like he's not, (laughs) he's not the (laughs) long-term answer for them at center. He's not going to be the answer for them at center all season long or in the playoffs. He just feels like, maybe a slightly better but older version of Daniel Tice. I don't even know if he's better than Daniel Tice. So I just feel like it was it, it was a it was just for optics that they were bringing in another big man, but it wasn't the right guy. I think they need to go out there and target somebody like a Miles Turner or a John Collins or a Clint Capella that can really hold down that five position and you can count on them on the court for 30 minutes a game in a playoff series. Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice, Robert Williams, they're not that to me. So although I really love their depth. And I think Thompson is a nice backup. I think Teague is a nice backup. They did a nice job in the draft. And that young talent is going to carry them far. Come playoff time, that center spot really concerns me if they don't make a move with that trade exception. Um, I disagree with you on a few things. Um, I do too. You keep, you keep saying John Collins. I don't know why you keep saying that. Like He's an underrated interior defender. He can't play D, though. Like he's, it's not, Stop saying uh, whatever. All right, boom. So, um, no, I think I, – I don't know. I, I guess I'm a little high on him more than everybody else. I think Jalen Brown can be a superstar. And I think we're seeing what we could have seen if Danny Granger was healthy and Paul George got to that level, that dynamic wing two-man duo. I think Jalen Brown, defensively, he's ahead of Jason Tatum. I think offensively, he's not better, but he's just as good on the offensive end. I think Jason Tatum is also breaking 
the barrier on that superstar lineup. And I think Jalen Brown can definitely be that guy. With the Kemba situation, he's a tricky one because people do target him defensively. But offensively, I feel like last year, it was his first taste of real playoff juice. You know, he played for Charlotte. They were never going to be anything. So last year was his first taste. He kind of was underwhelmed when he played pretty bad during the Toronto series. But I think this year he's going to see a different energy from him. I think he's going to come out. He's going to be better. Payne Pritchard, who's a four-year guy at Oregon, I think he's going to produce right away if they give him minutes. I like Robert Williams as a backup center. I think Tristan Thompson is a Band-Aid. I can't believe you stole mine. But I think Tristan Thompson is definitely a Band-Aid. I do think they need to get a center. But I think they're still going to – I think it is championship or bust. I think they still – have that mindset that we're going to the championship because there's no team that's better than us. And I think rightfully so, they should have that mindset. Look, I disagree with you and I disagree with Jack on-, on You can't on say my name. Well, I had to be a you. I, dis- I disagree because oh, you just finished talking. <laughs> I disagree with you because I do think that Jason Tatum is way better than Jalen Brown offensively. I don't yeah. think, I, I think there's a gap in terms of their offensive I think, game. I think, I think in terms of the jump shot, there's a gap. I think if you- Put everything together, though, finishing ability, I don't think it's that much of a gap. But, you know, sure. Well, I think all-around offensive player, I think there's a gap. And I actually disagree with both you guys on the point of Tristan Thompson. I think Tristan Thompson is not just a Band-Aid. You, you're talking about <laughs> – you, you talked about Tristan Thompson. Do you trust him to play huge minutes in the playoffs? Excuse me. He right. did that. He did that with Cleveland. He won a championship yeah, five with five years ago. He was their best rebounder there. Last year, he just had he just okay. He's, Tristan Thompson's coming off his best season last season. I want to surrounded by not, what they they won they won twenty games. Tristan well, well, he's not some old games? geezer. He's I want to say this, and he's way better than than Daniel Tice. I'm just saying that you you act you try to act like Daniel Tice and him it's close. No, I don't think it's close. Is Tristan Thompson one of the best centers in the league? No, he's not. But he's not what you're trying to make him out to be. I think he's a really good starter. And he does a great job defensively on other bigs around the league. And he can switch on guards. He started to, he shot the most threes he's ever shot last what season. Yeah, he was pretty good from three. He shot like 36%, I, I believe, a 35%. If it you was, don't have a affirmative three. stat for that, if you don't have if you don't have a fact on that, don't say I believe. No, it is a fact. I checked it. But that's what I'm saying. He shot he shot 39%, but he didn't even attempt a half a three a game. <laughs> no, yeah, he attempted, he attempted 23 threes all season, but I'm just oh, saying. What, what? Come on. He's getting wow. better in that aspect. He's taking the shot. That's all I'm saying. And I, I think you guys have to give Tristan Thompson more respect. And, Jack, he won't be off the bench. He'll be starting. Tristan Thompson oh. will be their starter. I want to say this. Uh, he Jack, shouldn't be. You, I want to say this, Jack. That's not you, good. That's not something wait, 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 to brag on, about. Man. Why would Tristan Thompson not be starting for the Celtics? Yeah, why is he, why is he, why is oh, he right. starting? Oh, right. No, no, no. No, no, no. Right now, he should be starting, but that is an issue that they need to address with the $28.5 million of free cap space they have. Jack, let me ask you this. Jack, is that a Christmas shirt? Oh, no, it's just a flannel. Jack, let me ask you this. The Raptors starting center in the playoffs, who was it last season? It was Marc Gasol? Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol. Thompson is better than him. They made it far with Gasol starting. The Lakers, Dwight, JaVale McGee was starting. I think Tristan Thompson is better than JaVale McGee. I'm just saying. Oh, he didn't start all the time, though. I know he didn't start all the time, but I'm just saying. Tristan Thompson is a good center. also had Anthony Davis at the four. You're not. Okay, but you're not. You have Jason Tatum playing the four for the Celtics. I think Jason Tatum is not an interior defender rebounder like Siakam and Anthony Davis are. I'm just saying, I think that 
Tristan Thompson is better than what you're giving him credit for. That's all I'm saying. I, I want to ask. I think question. he would be a. Gr- I, I just want to say before you go, Riv, I think he would be a great backup option for a team with their aspirations. But when you like, we're saying that it's championship or bust for them. I don't think Tristan Thompson is a championship center at this point in his career. You could bring up the Cleveland days, but he was playing with LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. Anybody could have been horrible every single playoff series. Kevin Love was horrible every single playoff series. Who's uh, come on, bro? As the as the third option out on a LeBron team, no, but everybody. Chris Bosh's numbers dropped. He probably better than most guys, though. Chris Bosh was actually efficient in the playoffs. Kevin Love was was pretty bad efficiency wise too. I want I want to ask this question because Tristan Thompson does bring that championship pedigree to Boston, a team who's been to the ECF. I think this would be their third time in his loss. Do you trust Tristan Thompson to guard bigs like Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, and Giannis for a, a full series? Joel, for Giannis, because you, you brought up you brought up the championship year, and the okay. Warriors didn't have a deep uh, offensive big that Thompson really had to guard, and he okay. was bad in switches when Steph had him off the screen. So I'm asking, well, do you trust Tristan against those teams? For one, Giannis. Whoever is matched up against him in the playoffs, it's a team effort to guard him. Even Toronto, with the amount of bigs that they had, it was a team effort. So no one person can guard Giannis. We know that. No, I'm not saying – yeah, but I'm saying yeah. Serge Ibaka defensively like, and And Bede, Thompson has done a good job on Embiid in the past. You mentioned Bam Adebayo. I don't think Bam Adebayo is, per se, an offensive center that has great post moves and is great offensively. So I think he could do a good job on Bam Adebayo. And those are the only guys you're really worried about. And then B, I think Philly, they did acquire shooters. We'll talk about them in a bit. But I still think with Simmons and Embiid on the court, you can still kind of compact the court to cheat a little bit on Embiid. So I think they could do a good job on him. Okay. But okay. That's that's, that's where we differ is I just don't think like – I don't think that Philly's going to be as easy to guard this year, especially with Embiid. Like, I think there's going to be a lot more isolations with Embiid. And you mentioned, you know, Giannis is a team effort, but it starts with, you know, cutting the head off the snake as an individual. And one of the biggest things that he had going for them was Bam on Giannis. It's the reason and Jimmy. they ended that Bam show. and Jimmy. And the Raptors had a Baca. Like, it starts with one really yeah, solid right. interior defender have- that is versatile. I mean, and I don't think you the could, Tristan you could, you could put Jalen Brown on Giannis the entire but game. What then, he's saying is, do you trust Thompson like they trusted Bam? Do you trust Thompson like they trusted Ibaka? Bam can't, Bam can't guard Giannis individually. No, we're talking about the back end, the the help D, the the, the guy I mean, in the back. I do, I do trust Thompson as a back end guy. I do. That's that's what he's that's what he's saying. He doesn't trust them. You do. That's I mean, that's what I, it I do. But needless to say, Boston, they have arguably one of the one of the best head coaches in the NBA right now, Brad Stevens. That's debatable. In my opinion, their starting lineup is Kemba, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Tristan Thompson, and their bench is going to be good. Tice or Robert Williams off the bench. They have Grant Williams. Aaron Neesman. Jeff Teague, Javante Green, which is a guy that Celtics Twitter loves. Neesmith, Ojale, Carson Edwards. Like, they got a lot of guys. It's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough for Brad Stevens to allocate these minutes I'm not sure if Aaron Neesmith is going to play so much this season. Based on the depth of this roster, it's going to be really tricky. I, I think that – oh, sorry, Jeff. Pardon me. No, no, no. You can go, Riff. 
I th- I think with uh, Carson Edwards, he he was he he kind of ended up in the G League last year. I think Aaron Neesmith is gonna play just off the strength of his jump shot, and they're gonna need that. But I do think Kemba, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Tristan Thompson. I think T- Thompson is gonna start. I think Tice. You're gonna roll out the test. I think Payton Pritchard in training camp is gonna show his IQ. He's gonna show his four-year seniormanship, and he's gonna show that he's gonna be playing now. Jeff Teague is gonna play. I I think I do think Grant Williams is also gonna have a bigger role this year as a, he's kind of he's not Draymond, but he kind of gives you that Draymond energy, a small big that can play defense and he kind of get to the back. He's kind of strong too. So I think they're gonna roll out those four or five guys, Neesmith. Grant Williams, Tice, Teague, and Pritchard. Those are going to be the five guys that get more – they get the rotation minutes in the bench. I like all those pieces coming off the bench, but to me that sounds like a bunch of nice assets to throw with a $28.5 million trade exception and find a better center. That's just what I look at it as. And I think they have a really nice team, but when you have such a, a black hole defensively at point guard I feel like you need that back end to be much better and I don't know if Thompson is that guy that's my only concern for them though because I think that Jason Tatum is going to take yet another step I think Jalen Brown is going to be right there with him and that's going to be one of the best wing duos in the league if not the best and if they do that they're going to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference there's no question about it no matter what happens at center they'll be competing come Eastern Conference Finals time. Do you guys think Kemba gets traded? I don't I don't think so because I think his contract is way too hefty. I don't know what team will pick him up. It was hard for a team to trade for Westbrook. Kemba's <laughs> contract is huge, and he's not the player that Westbrook is. So who would – maybe the Knicks. I don't know. The Knicks, you know, they're desperate. Maybe the Celtics try to trade for Mitchell Robinson. There's a rift between Mitchell Robinson and the, and the Knicks right now, they don't like... That would be incredible. They don't like professionalism too much. The Knicks need a point guard, so maybe Kemba for Mitchell Robinson. You slot in Jeff T, get the starting point guard slot. I don't know. It, maybe you get Frank Nilekina in the deal, too. They have a defender. It's, it's I love out. the sound of that. I love the sound of that. You love and, the sound of Frank Nilekina? No, 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 Of Mitchell Robinson. Oh, okay. And that deal, if you could find a suitor for Kemba Walker, I think that makes 100% sense, even though you'd be selling low after a poor offseason. He just doesn't fit what they want to do. And they have a guy like Marcus Smart that can slide in at the one and be your point guard. Or Jeff T can slide in at the one, even though I think he's better suited off the bench at this point. You know, they have that bench depth that they don't need to rely on Kemba Walker if they can get him off the books, especially if they could bring in a center like Mitchell Robinson. That would be a great move. But I, another team, I would not be surprised at all to see them make a move, especially considering they got to spend that, that trade exception at some point. So, I mean, my projection, they, they finished third in the East last season. I think they'll finish third this season as well. I can see them as as high as one, honestly. I could see them being the first seed in the Eastern Conference this season. That's their ceiling, and I think they can be as low as four. I don't see them dropping below four. They're as high as one, but I ultimately see them finishing at three where they finished last season as well. Yeah, I have them finishing at two, but I think they could finish anywhere as high as one or as low as maybe five. Again, it depends on what those other teams do in the Eastern Conference, but I think they're going to have a really nice regular season, especially, and they're, they're going to be contenders. There's no question about it. I also have them at two. I think they're going to come in and they're going to be on fire. And Jason Tatum, I heard he's 6'10 now. So, whoo, 
big guy. But I have them between the two and four range. I think they should. I don't think they finish less than four, honestly. I'm actually just being nice. I think they're going to finish at two, maybe three, but I don't see them going four unless a big injury happens. So the Boston Celtics, those that's our preview and predictions for them. They're a very loaded roster. This next team we're about to talk about, a lot of question marks. The Indiana Pacers, the Indiana Pacers finished with the fourth seed last year. They finished 45 and 28, I believe. They, they got swept by Miami in the first round. They fired their head coach. And they don't have, they have no real star. I know they hired this guy from, a, from the Raptors, assistant coach. His name is Nate Bjorkren. It's hard to pronounce. His name is Nate Bjorkren. He's coming from Nick Nurse, so maybe he'll be a good coach and he can elevate that team. But the problem with the Pacers, they they have no real star. As I was doing research for this for this preview, they made no offseason moves besides re-signing Justin Holiday. They traded TJ Lee for Jalen Jalen Lack. I think that's his name. LeCue, bro. Jalen LeCue. It's LeCue. And they drafted Cassius Stanley, and who has a lot of potential coming out of Duke. Who knows what he's going to be. But, yeah, for me, they just have no real star. You know, is, is Oladipo going to go back to his all-star status that he that he was in 2018? I'm not too sure about that. So that's why I'm not, I'm not sure about the Pacers. I think they won't finish as high as four this season because they have no real star. But I think they should make the playoffs because they have so many good players on that team. Yeah, the Pacers are a team that I have in my second tier of Eastern Conference teams outside of those top six that I think are locks. I think they're going to be on, you know, that outside bubble that should be a playoff team but could easily miss it because you're talking about Nate Bjorgren coming in. We don't know what he is as a head coach. And look at the situation he's coming into. Like you mentioned, no superstar or really star to carry the load. Then you have Victor Oladipo who he doesn't want to be there or does he? He hasn't played in a year. That's a tough situation to handle. And then you have that log jam at center power forward, I guess, with Sabonis and Turner. As much as I love Sabonis, he doesn't really fit the mold of the current NBA. And although they have a Raptors-esque really nice lineup, they just don't have that guy to take over when it comes down to it. And I think with all those question marks, even though they have a nice lineup, they have really nice depth, and I think they're a superstar away from being a lock in the Eastern Conference. I see them falling on – they're the anti-Raptors to me. Instead of having a really nice regular season, I think they have a bad regular season, and I would not be surprised to see them start selling off pieces of the deadline, Miles Turner, Victor Oladipo, get those contracts off and start to bring in some new young talent. Um, I, not to spoil it, I actually have them missing the playoffs this year. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Technically, because remember, there's that 9 and 10 seed play-in game this year. So so I do have them making the play-in games, but I do not have them as one of the top eight seeds in my Eastern Conference. If they trade Oladipo or Sabonis or Turner, if they trade their core players, basically, for younger talent, I see that. But with this lineup of Brogdon, Oladipo, Warren, Sabonis, Turner, I don't see them missing the playoffs. I think that's a lock in the East, personally. Um, <clears throat> listen, we saw Victor Oladipo in the bubble. We saw he's, he's, he's pretty bad. Um, he doesn't look he's like himself. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. We don't know. Like we don't, he, he has, now he has a full off season, but it hasn't really been a full off season. So we don't know what he's going to be like coming in, but I want to say this. TJ Warren is their best player. 
So going into a, going into a season, TJ Warren is your best player. I don't see you making that much noise. I, I, I'm not with Jack in the terms of they're not going to make the playoffs. I have him as the eighth seed. But I think with Malcolm Brogdon, who's a pretty steady point guard, he can play make, he can play defense. I feel like if you get even 80% of Victor Oladipo, then you're going to be okay. TJ Warren's a bucket. We know that. But he's not like – he's good, but he's not great. Sabonis is an all-star. He's solid. Miles Turner, we don't know his situation. He kind of fell off a little bit last year. Defensively, he's still there, though. I think they have a pretty solid starting five. Their bench is going to be a little tricky. Doug McDermott, I know, is still there. And they got a few – Aaron Holiday's still there. Justin Holiday's still there. So they got a few good pieces. But I'm just not sold on this team with the new head coach. In fact, it's, this team has no real direction. You know, they're kind of just pedestrian. There's just a lot of good players, not – there isn't anybody that can really make a turn. You know, Brogdon's not young, but he's not old. And TJ Warren, he's young, but he's going to be what he's going to be. So I'm just not too sold in this team. But I think they're going to still be a playoff team nonetheless. I mean, no player on the Pacers is, is old. Oladipo isn't old. TJ Warren isn't. Sabonis isn't. Turner isn't. Brogdon isn't. I, I don't agree with Warren being the best player. I think Sabonis has, you know, ha- has that title as the best player on that team. I think what, what might hurt them is their depth. I mean, off the bench, you have Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday. They're both pretty good. But then after that, Doug McDermott, he's been inconsistent as OQ, even though he had a pretty good year with Indiana last year. TJ McConnell, McConnell as your backup point guard, or Aaron Holiday some nights. Edmund Summers there. Jakar Sampson. I didn't hear Cassius, a big. Cassius Stanley and then Goga Bitaze. I don't know if I pronounced that right. But, I mean, I don't think their bench is – phenomenal so I think if anything their depth will hurt them throughout the year but I think the Pacers season really depends on how good Nate Bjorkren is to be honest you know if he's an excellent head coach better than Nate McMillan maybe they can surprise us but you know that is yet to be seen and because of that my projection for the Indiana Pacers this year I think they finish with the seventh seed I just think that roster they don't have any real star they remind me of uh, like the 2014 to 2015 Denver Nuggets teams. Mm. Ty Lawson was the best player when you was Iguodala. I don't know if it was earlier or later. I'm not sure, but I don't know if it was like 2013 or 2014. It might have been 2013, 2014. It was between those years. They don't have a real star, but they have a bunch of good players. And I think that's good enough to make it to the playoffs in the East. If it was the West, it would be different. But in the East, I think it's good enough. Uh, okay, and I, okay. I, could, I could see them as high as six, but I can also see them as low as ninth or eighth. No, see, like as much as it sounded crazy, what I said, we have them in the same range. I have them finishing as high as sixth or as low as ninth or tenth. And personally, I just fell on the lower side because I think that the teams that we're going to get to have higher upside and. I feel better about the questions of those teams going into the season. I think that those teams are trending upwards. And as of right now, what we've seen from the Pacers this offseason, there's nothing to give me excitement. They didn't make any moves. They're the same team that got swept out of the first round last year. They fired their head coach, who was a coach of the year candidate this past season. They're bringing in a rookie head coach who's never head coached before in his career to deal with Victor Oladipo, who had issues this offseason, coming off an injury and one of the worst stretches of his career in the bubble. And like I said, down low, dealing with Miles Turner and Sabonis, who Turner fits the mold more, but 
has not really developed in the past season and a half. And Sabonis, who doesn't fit the mold of the current NBA. So it's a very difficult situation. If Bjorgren comes in and does a good job, I can easily see them finishing sixth, maybe even fifth. But I just have them falling on the lower end of my spectrum of what I see them being this year. Do you say that? And that's no knock on them. I just, I just think that the Hold East on, got better all around. Wait, I know. Hold before on. you go, the before you go, the before you go, the Tadia cut me off. Man. Do, you, do you say that Sabonis it doesn't fit the mold of the NBA because? He can't defend very well, or like, I think he meant his game, his offensive I think he game. Can shoot, he's not a bad shooter. He Just overall, up. like he's he's for his size at the four, he's not quick enough to be more of a perimeter guy like you would want him to be, and he's not big enough to be an interior guy like you would want him to be. So he's kind of in between. He needs to really excel at what he's doing, and he's done that. But can he keep it up? especially with a new head coach, a new system. It's a lot of question marks, and I, I just wonder if they're not going to fall on the wrong side of them. Uh, yeah, I get that, but, but I think that he, he does fit the modern NBA. I know where you're coming from, but I don't know. Yeah, I, like guys that I think don't fit the modern NBA are guys like Andre Drummond, guys who can't shoot at all. You know, Sabonis can step out there, but on top of shooting okay, he also is great in the post. So I think that's where he was going with it though. Like he the post era is almost utterly gone in the NBA now. And guys are stepping out and shooting threes. And I don't think Sabonis' game is predicated. I think his game is more predicated on inside, inside the game, like the old back in the day game. But I get it though. But I want to say this. I wanna I, I wanna point out that seven teams that I have in the East all have a star, whether it be an all like a consistent all-star or a superstar play, even Washington is getting Russell Westbrook and they have Bradley Bill. So I'm looking at the East in a sense. And with those seven teams, I feel like they're locks. And with Indiana, you could throw in Indiana and Orlando could make a push. You don't know. I don't think we're going to make a push, but Chicago can make a push. You you really don't know. Like the, these bottom teams in the East can make a push. And it's going to yeah. be really hard for Indiana to stay afloat because they're going to play that, that perfect game. They're not going to, do too much and I can do too. They're going to play that perfect, well-rounded game, but do they have that guy to take over and get them to the playoffs? I don't know because just a couple of years ago, Victor Oladipo was that guy. They were just the fourth seed before his injury. So I don't know if he's going to come back and be that guy. If he does lit in the East is great. Lit. I hope he does. But if he doesn't, then who's going to be your guy? Are you going to see TJ Warren go off again? Is Sabonis going to come back and be an all-star again? Is Malcolm Brogdon going to, not fall off like you did. He was the first 20, 25 games. He was averaging a double, double drop down to about 15, eight. So is he going to be that guy again? We don't know. So it's going to be really with the new head coach. It's going to be interesting to see how they move, but I have them eighth. I think they're going to be eighth. I think they're going to get in as the AFC to make the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. I, I just don't want it to be misconstrued as me saying like the Pacers are not a good team. The Pacers are a good team, but I think the East is better than a lot of people are giving it credit for. And when I look at the eight teams that I put ahead of the Pacers, I just see eight teams that have a guy that I feel confident with the ball in his hands at the end of the game. And I just don't see that with the Pacers, unless like Riv said, Warren is the same guy or at least similar to what he was in the bubble or Oladipo comes back healthy from that injury. And that remains to be seen, but I feel safer with the teams that I bet on making that seventh and eighth seed than the Pacers, but they're in that. This is how I rank my teams. I have six locks. I have four teams in the next layer. I have three teams in the next layer. 
And then I have two teams that I don't see any chance making it. So okay, gangster. we'll get to it. So the team that beat the Pacers in the playoffs was the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat last season finished with the fifth seed, 44-29. and 29. They lost to the Lakers in the finals in six games. And this season, I think the pressure is on. They're not sneaking up on anybody this year. They're going. Everybody knows who they are. They're going to get everybody's best effort this year. And they re-signed Bam to a max extension, which was a great move. Five years, $163 million. They re-signed Goran Dragic. They re-signed Myers Leonard. Avery Bradley comes from L.A. Maurice Harkless comes from New York. But they lost guys, too. They lost Jay Crowder, Derek Jones Jr., Solomon Hill, which isn't really much of a loss. And then they added a guy in the draft in Preston Achiuwa who ended with the 20th pick, who I think is a, is a good prospect. I, I really loved his game coming out of Memphis. And I think he's maybe might be a draft gem for the Miami Heat. I don't know how many minutes he's going to get this upcoming season. But I, can, but I think he can develop into a really good player. And he fits that mold of Heat culture, what the Heat want to do. And I, um, I'm under the I, – I like the pick, I feel like, with losing Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. I feel like that was a necessary pick because he can slide in. He, he played the four essentially at Memphis, and that was more of his role anyways because he can't really shoot. He's athletic. He can, he's a cutter. He can get to the basket. He can do all that good stuff around the rim. So and he's very athletic too. Underrated defender too. He's, he's good though. I like him. I think, like you said, people aren't sleeping on Miami. They know how they are. People know how they are. And I think they're starting to game plan against him. I think Jimmy Butler is going to take a bit of a leap this year, another leap in terms of being that number one scorer. I think you're getting Tyler Hero back, who's we expect, we also expect to make a, a not an all star jump, but close to that all star range. I think Bam is going to come back and make a jump. It's going to be interesting to see because Miami's team was predicated on depth and they lost a lot. They lost a few pieces in this offseason. They didn't gain anything back. They kept thinking, they were going to get a big guy in trade, so now they don't. They have the same team. But I like this team going forward, and I think this is going to be still one of the best teams in the East. I think they're going to fight and battle for those top three seeds. But inevitably, I have them as a 4-5. Same thing as last year. I have them sliding in at 4-5. Highest thing goes three, lowest five. Yeah, I, I echo a lot of the same things that Riv just said and you said, Joel. I mean, this is a team that was probably one of the biggest surprises of last season, if not the biggest surprise. And it's thanks to the genius of Pat Riley, the Heat's incredible player development system. Jimmy Butler and even to a lesser extent, Goran Dragic being the spectacular leaders that they are. And, you know, I just I feel confident saying that their young guys in Bam, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, even Kendrick Nunn are going to continue to grow because that system is so fruitful. Jimmy Butler is not going to be a guy that's going to be lax in, in the offseason and let them rest on their laurels. He texted Goran Dragic and said, if you don't re-sign with the Heat, I know where you live. I'm going to come <laughs> and make you sign a contract. Like This guy wants to win at all, all, all costs, and he will tie you to his belt and drag you with him if that's what he has to, has to do. So I can guarantee you, I know for a fact all of these guys have a great relationship. You could read about it anywhere. You could see videos of them interacting. And so I know Jimmy was on those guys this offseason. They're going to come in hungry as ever after a tough loss last offseason. And I love the talent they have. I know they lost some depth and some important depth, especially in Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. 
But I think that the signings of Avery Bradley and to a lesser extent, Mo Harkless, along with drafting Precious Achua, were great replacements for those missing pieces. So bringing back essentially the same team you had last year with a guy in Avery Bradley, who I see as an upgrade of the backup one slash two role, and then Mo Harkless, who I think can at least somewhat fill the shoes of Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. on the wing. I think they had a, a really solid offseason, and they're bringing back a core that's just hungry. They have some dogs, and they have one of the most underrated coaches in all of basketball and Eric Spolcher. The guy is a championship head coach. I was glad to see him finally get his recognition this year. And coming into the season, I, I think they're going to be another really a, a dangerous team like they were in the bubble. Jackie, did your hair grow? It did. I haven't been able to get a haircut because I've been quarantined for two little, uh, little things. Man, man, stop talking about hair because you're talking about the Miami <laughs> Heat right now. But this is what I'm going to say. I think the starting lineup is there's four locks in it. Of course, Goran Dragic, Jimmy, Duncan Robinson. Maybe Tyler Hero size in there over Duncan. I'm not sure. Bam, but it's really that four spot. Who's going to start? Some say Precious, maybe Mo Harkless. You can slot you, an Iggy there. It you guys really think depends. Jimmy starts at the four? I don't know. That would be that. Maybe Tyler Hero starts at the two, Duncan at the three, Jimmy at the four. Maybe they go small. But I disagree with your point, Riv, about the depth. I think they have a lot of depth. Kendrick Nunn is still there. Tyler Hero, Avery Bradley, Igudala, Olenek, Myers Leonard, Achua. I don't even know how to say it, bro. But KZ Okpala, too, is there like a young guy. So they still have a lot of depth. I mean, they can go 10 to 11 deep on any given night. So they have a lot of depth. And I mean, I think the question that's up in the air right now is, is Pat Riley going to trade for James Harden? That's what everybody's wondering. You, you know, know, because it, I, I, it's funny. Cause we had the same conversation when we talked about it for the Nets. And personally, I don't think that this is a team that should go out and trade for James Harden. And that it makes it seem like, I don't think James Harden should end up anywhere. But I see the Heat as a team that's where they can contend right now with what they have. And I just think that they're positioned to be a top three, four team in the East for a decade to come. And I don't think that they're going to sell that off for a guy in James Harden who doesn't really fit what they're trying to do. So I don't think so they, they make can't, they, they can contend. They can't win. They can't win I a think championship. They can. I, think, I think they can win no, the they East. Can. Contend they for can a decade? You know, Jimmy Ball is 30. It's not about Jimmy Butler. It's about Bam, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, KZ Akpala, who you mentioned, and they do a spectacular job drafting. Look, I think they can't they can't win a championship with this group. This year they can't. I think that they could win the East, which is about really all you can ask for when you see that if you can make it out of the East, you can compete with any team that comes out of the West as as much as you can. I mean the, the Lakers, best team in the league Lakers is would, in the West. The, La the Lakers would beat the Heat. I think the Lakers would beat the Heat with James Harden anyway. Because who are you giving up? What, what the package would be, this is what I've heard. This is everything I've heard when discussing this. You'd give up Tyler Hero, which I'm fine with. Bam, which I'm not fine no, no, with. No, no, no. They would multiple not, picks. They would not give up Bam for Harden. If you could if, do it without giving up Bam, I might change my stance. But Bam out of bio... I love Jimmy Butler, and I think his role is very important to this team as a leader. But on court-wise, Bam Adebayo is the most important piece to this team, and it's something that we've spoken about with almost every team, especially the Celtics. They have a guy in Bam who is one of the three or four people in basketball 
that is adept at stopping Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Davis, you know, those elite bigs as best as you possibly can. But yeah, I get that. Have I him get at this that, age. But you I don't are, think you're I, killing me, Jack. I don't think that they're going to trade. Tra- Bama's untouchable for the Heat. Unless it's to get Giannis or somebody like that, maybe. But he's a Pat Riley has said he's untouchable. The guy who's would be the centerpiece around a Harden deal would be Harrow added in with Kendrick Nunn and possibly like Precious too and some picks. I, I, I don't know if that would be enough personally. I mean, look, Houston has to deal Harden and regardless, they're not going to get equal value for him regardless. I you know, think. So would you rather trade with the Nets who can give you Karras and Dinwiddie and Jared Allen and picks or the Heat who can give you Tyler Hero? And I think out of every trade package, Tyler Hero offers the more the most upside in the trade package. Is that is that saying not to cut you off? Is that saying Ben Simmons is not on the table? Ben know, Simmons, I, I, think I think, is on the table. I think Ben Simmons is on the table for the Sixers too. But I'm just talking about like the Heat trade packages. I think they can make a better deal than the Nets if Philly adds in Ben Simmons, which, which is what they're going to have to do. I think, yeah, then that's a better deal. But for me, I put if Harden goes to Miami. Miami is more of a threat if Harden goes to Miami than if Harden goes to Philly. Harden or Miami is more of a threat than if Harden were to go to Philly. Because you have Bam, Jimmy, <laughs> and Harden with Duncan Robinson, Goran Dragic still yeah. there. Yeah, it's really it's a really great team, especially if Philly is giving up Ben Simmons in that deal. I, I want to say because I've I've read a few reports that the Houston is asking for Kyrie or Katie and. They're reportedly untouchable. I mean, I would take Kyrie. It's not person. happening. But yeah, so those that I don't think the Nets deal is gonna happen. I think it's more on the line against Miami or Milwaukee or Philly. I don't think my Milwaukee's gonna end up making a deal. So it really is gonna come down to Miami and Philly. I think the Heat value their culture, culture more than anything. And I think with all these reports coming out about James Harden and that he's kind of a diva and that everything revolves around him. I think that's kind of pushing Miami back in the sense, not Philly. I think it's pushing more Miami back in the sense of we don't want a guy like this in our locker room. I think we'll just rather ride with our guys instead of making a trade and giving them guys for somebody who's a bit of a diva. That's just what I'm reading from the reports. So I don't know. I do agree with Joel. I don't think they're going to win the championship with this roster. I think they're going to compete for a very long time, but I don't think essentially, I don't think they're going to, I think they're going to do what Boston's been doing for the past couple of years, making ECFs, making second rounds, be competitive. I think they're going to be compete, but I don't think they're going to get over the hump unless Bam and Tyler Harrell make this gigantic leap in a couple of years. And they're like superstars. Then you can see them making this, you know, championship again and possibly winning it. But I I don't think right now I would have them being a championship team. I think they're just a very great team in the East. I mean we're actually on we're actually on the same page because I was considering BAM in a Harden deal. If you're telling me I can get Harden without giving up BAM and without giving up Duncan Robinson, I totally rethink that. I I would do that. If I had to go BAM, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. For this upcoming season, I know we just talked about the Heat not competing for a championship, but I think they'll still be one of the best regular season teams, especially since they have more chemistry under their belt now with this core. I see them finishing with the second seed in the East. I can see them as high as one. Like they have a high ceiling and I can see them as low as four. 
in between there, highest one, lowest four. But I see them finishing with the second seed in the East. Yeah, I have them at four, actually, but that is the lowest I can see them going, really. I have them anywhere from four to, like you said, one. I think the sky is the limit for them. A hardened deal is enticing, but after that article that came out today, if that's all true from Tim McMahon, that is a pretty damning article on James Harden. I don't think that Pat or Pat Riley would touch that unless they are dead set that James Harden will come in and follow Jimmy Butler breakfast, lunch, dinner, on the court, off the court, whatever it may be, handcuff him and Jimmy Butler together and make them follow the same routine. It's the only way they'll bring in James Harden. If they do that, though, they'll compete for a championship. But right now, as it stands, I have them finishing at four, as high as one, but as low as four. All right. I, I, I do. I think if they get James Harden, that puts, I feel like for me, that puts them in the Milwaukee Bucks. Brooklyn Nets, Boston Celtics, I think that puts them a little bit. I think that puts them right on par with Brooklyn in terms of if both teams are healthy, I would put those two as the guys along with Milwaukee right under them and Boston too if they get James Harden and gets to keep Bam in the process. But this team right now, I have them in the three to five range. I think five, I have them at five. It really just depends on everybody's health. But if healthy-wise, Nets and all, I have them at five. But I think they can go up to three. So that's where I have the three, five range. So the next team we're going to talk about is the Philadelphia 76ers. The 76ers finished with the sixth seed in the East, which is underachieving considering the talent that they have. 43-30. and 30, They lost to the Celtics 4-0 in the first round. Simmons didn't play that series. And I think the most important thing that the Sixers did this offseason was that they brought in shooters. Danny Green, Seth Curry, they traded Al Horford, with every, which everybody was begging for them to do. <laughs> they got Terrence Ferguson in the deal as well, and they traded Josh Richardson. So they're losing Horford and Josh Richardson, but they're bringing in Seth Curry and Danny Green. So, I mean, and they, they, I mean, they had arguably one of the best drafts, drafting Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joel, Isaiah Joel. So, I mean, they, they're, you know... We should have, I guess, higher <laughs> expectations. But I think for the past years, we've always had these grandiose expectations for the Sixers, and they always disappoint. So now this season, I don't think they're coming into the season with much expectations because we've already kind of been numb to them disappointing us. So now they're kind of a team that we're not really paying much attention to, and I think that might benefit them. I mean, Brett Brown is fired. Doc Rivers is coming in. And we've seen in the past with the Clippers and the Celtics when he has a great off the ball, when he has a great shooter who can play off the ball like a Ray Allen, like a J.J. Redick, he maximizes them. And he could probably do the same thing for Seth Curry in this system. Um, Oh, sorry. No, you go, Rick. Yeah. Philly is an interesting team. They they still have the same two core guys. Ben Simmons probably is going to come into the season still not being able to shoot. And Joel is going to come into the season still being a very dominant center. But I do like the pieces. I think Seth Curry is going to be good. I think Danny Green, along with the inconsistencies in the playoffs, he's still going to be a good player, 3 and D player. I think Matisse Thibel, you didn't. I don't think if you named him, but he's going to be really good this year defensively, and he's able to hit the three ball. I think Tyrese Maxey is going to have a big role this year, along with Shake Millen. I think he's also a really good player that's going to get it going to 44% three-point shooter if I'm not mistaken. So I think this team is built pretty solid. 
it's just going to come down to health. And I think health is going to be a concern. And of course, Ben Simmons improvement. And that's all this team's been predicated. I think their last great moment was losing in seven to Toronto. I think that was their best time to really make a run. I think that team was able to maybe possibly go to the championship. So this team, I don't have many expectations, but I think they're going to be competitive throughout the year like they always are. But I don't expect anything big in the playoffs for them. I think I have them as a fifth, sixth seed. Highest is third or fourth. I don't have much expectations for this team, though. They also got Dwight Howard for whatever. Oh, yeah, shout out to Dwight. So they got Dwight Howard as well. It's pretty frustrating because as a Net fan, I was inclined to hate the Sixers last year after how they knocked us out of the playoffs. But as a basketball fan, you cannot deny the potential of what this team can bring. You look at this lineup, and honestly, on paper, they could be one of the most talented teams in all of basketball. But it's just, can they put it together? It just seems like it's another offseason. It's another Ben Simmons is working on his three-ball rumor. Is that finally going to come true this season? I have a hard time believing that because we heard the same thing last year, and he came out and he attempted one three, and you didn't see it again the rest of the season. So I don't know if I trust his work ethic, but I think they made spectacular moves this season to maximize what they have. Brett Brown was not the guy. So first of all, getting rid of him, getting rid of him was automatically a plus. And you bring in a guy like Doc Rivers, who I get it with his playoff struggles and the Sixers playoff struggles. It's a strange marriage, but you know, he maximizes talent in the regular season and playoffs. You worry about that when you get there, maybe this can be the team that Doc meshes with like that Celtics team that he took to a championship and they figure it out. But I think, just personnel-wise, they did a great job this offseason. You mentioned the name. Seth Curry, one of the most accurate three-point shooters in all of basketball. Tyrese Maxey, getting him in the draft, I thought was the steal of the draft. I spoke about it on draft night. Kentucky guards, you're guaranteed to hit on what seems like one a year, and I think they found the one. He's been playing great in the preseason, and I think he's going to do a better job in that Shake Milton role than Shake Milton did towards the end of the season last year, and he was so important for them. So – it was addition by subtraction, getting rid of Al Harford and replacing him with Dwight Howard for $20 million less a year. So now you look at a starting lineup this season, potentially of Ben Simmons. I would probably put Danny Green at the two, Tybo uh, at the three, Tobias Harris at the four, and beat at the five. And then coming off the bench, you have guys like Dwight Howard, Tyrese Maxey, uh, Seth Curry, even Furkan Korkmaz, who shot the ball really well for them last year. Mike Scott, who, sh- who can shoot the ball nicely. They really did a good job filling out this roster with the talent that you need to work around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So I think they got better this offseason. The question is, is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid finally going to play to their potential and mesh? It's a big question mark, but... I don't know why, but I'm betting on it again. I think they're going to be a really nice team this season. In my opinion, I don't I don't think Tybull starts. I think you start Simmons, Green, Curry, Harris, and Embiid. Because Tybull, he's a great defender, but he's a streaky three-point shooter. I think you need to surround Embiid and Simmons with as much shooting as possible because both of them don't offer it at a at a great level. So and Simmons doesn't offer it at all. And then B takes too much. That's what he's criticized on. So I think you have to surround them with shooters, snipers around there. I think Curry and Danny Green are snipers. Tobias, he's up and down. Freaky. 
He's up up and down. He's 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 pretty. He's an average three point shooter. So yeah, I think I I, I wouldn't start Thigh, but I'd put him on the bench. I don't know if Tyrese Maxey's gonna have he's gonna earn more minutes than Shake Milton. I think Shake Milton has. I think play them both. Now. Yeah, you probably could because they don't really have a real point guard, so that you probably could. But yeah, and then you have Cork Moss, who's good, Dwight, who's good, and Daryl Morey. I mean, Daryl Morey, he's not afraid to pull the trigger on any move. And if James Harden becomes available this season, which he is right now, maybe Daryl Morey sees the opportunity to trade for Harden and he'll offer Ben Simmons. Or maybe Houston just gets desperate and you can get Harden for Tobias Harris or something like that. So it that would really be such could, a robbery. Yeah, I mean, if, if they get, if Houston gets desperate, you never know what can happen. If I'm Philly, I do, I, I try to keep Simmons mm-hmm. and trade for Harden. And if that's not available, then I'll just keep Simmons. That's just me. Cause I think getting Harden and swapping him for Simmons. Now you have guys on a, you got guys like Harden, Seth Curry and Tobias Harris who aren't great defenders. Simmons. Yeah. He's not, he's not the, he's not even close to the offensive player that Harden is, but he's, an, he's an elite defender. On ball in the interior, off the ball, he's an elite defender, and I think Philly can't afford to lose a player like that, given their role construction. I think I don't think Houston. I think Houston is being pretty patient with this process. I think they're going to just ride it out. I think they're looking at the roster, getting Ben Simmons. I don't know because they have John Wall there, so I don't know how that's going to go. If they get Ben Simmons, I'm going to bank on the fact that John Wall is probably going to be gone down the road too. But I think you could play them together. You think so? You can I mean, hypothetically be... play Ben Simmons at like the three or maybe even the four. Yeah, it won't it won't be highly successful, but yeah. I think you can play them together. Um yeah, you could probably play him because he's played the five before, so you could probably throw him at the five. I just like I would probably roll out of Ben Simmons, like you said, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Danny Green at the three. You could throw Tobias at the four and beat at the five. I'll probably play Tyrese to the one, Shake can play the two at the three. Matisse Thibault, and you got Scott, you got Scott and Dwight Howard. It, it's going to be because they have. I don't know how they're going to because they don't have a true point guard on the bench. So you're not going to get a guy who's going to set up Furkin, who you know he likes to come off screen. I don't know. I've I seen Maxi play. He's more of a scorer than playmaker. That was more Ashton Hagen and Manuel quickly. Whenever they playmakers, Maxi's more of a scorer. But I do think this team has a lot of offense. I think this team could definitely get it going on the offensive end. It's just defensively. How are they going to play off when, that, when those plus defenders come out, like Danny Green, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and they just stuck with Matisse Thibault on the, in the lineup? So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I have them finishing with the fifth seed in the East this season. Same. Yeah. I think the they, they can be as high as two if everything clicks. If Simmons is – he takes a big leap. But I can also see them finishing as low as six or seven if things go really wrong, <laughs> but I have them at, at five. That's where I have them finishing. I, I had the same exact thing. I have them at five. I could see them as high as three or as low as six or in a doomsday scenario, seven. But I really like the talent that they've assembled. I think they're going to have a solid year, and I do think that they're a threat come playoff time. A lot of people are counting them out. I could see them making a lot of teams' lives difficult in the playoffs. Boom. I have them probably at like the fifth seed, fifth, fourth seed, depending on the health of other teams. 
I can see them going in between four to six. I think they're going to be pretty well successful throughout the regular season. Come playoff time, I think they'll make any team outside of Boston because I feel like Boston's had their number on multiple years. So I think any team outside of Boston and Brooklyn and Milwaukee, I think they can make it a series. But I don't see – I don't really know realistically. I don't see anybody in the top heavy that they can beat outside of Toronto maybe. Other than that, I don't really see them beating anybody. The next team we're going to talk about is a team that everybody is excited to watch this season, the Brooklyn Nets. They finished with the 17 look at, look at last Jack. year. The Nets won't finish with that seed this year. I, I can probably guarantee that. They went 35 and 37. They lost to Toronto. They got swept by them in the first round. And, I mean, this year is about the return of Kevin Durant. He's finally back. The Nets' prize possession. I think the best thing the Nets did this offseason was re-signing Joe Harris. They also brought in Landry Shamit, Bruce Brown, and a sleeper guy, Jeff Green, who was awesome for the Rockets last year when he joined that team. I mean, Brooklyn Nets, they're loaded. They, they're an extremely deep team, not only their roster, but their coaching staff. You bring in Steve Nash, you have Jock Vaughn there, Mike D'Antoni, Amari Sutter, like they're um, Ime Aduka. I don't know if I mentioned, if I said his name right, but he's a pretty good assistant coach as well. Like their coaching staff is an all-star coaching staff. And the starters, I mean, for me, I think it's going to be Kyrie, Karras, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan should start over Jared Allen. And then off the bench, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Bruce Brown, Landry Shamit, Jeff Green, and then Torian Prince, Kuruks, Claxton, and Chioza are going to be the last guys that they call on. And those are one of the main guys that the Nets were playing throughout the entire season last season. So, I mean, they have an all-star coaching staff, superstar players, a great supporting cast. I mean, this team's ceiling is, is immense. They can, they can be the best team in the Eastern Conference if they click right away, but we know that it might take them a while. So I don't know, but they're going to be really fun to watch this season. That's all I know. This and this, and this is this is. I know Jack, you're so excited. You want to talk? I just this this won't be long. I promise you. But I'm just this. Let me start off with the coaching staff. Oh my God, Steve Nash, Stoudemire, Mike D'Antoni. They are literally producers of one of the greatest regular season offenses we've ever seen. Seven seconds or less. It was one of the best offenses, one of the most fun offenses we've ever witnessed. Then you bring in Ime Aduke, who also his wife is Nia Long. Shout out to her. She's beautiful. He also was a part of those championship teams with the Spurs. He was an assistant coach for those teams. So shout out to him. He has, he's bringing in championship pedigree. Then you talk about the team. I think they're going to roll out of Kyrie, Karras, KD, Torian Prince at the four, and then DeAndre Jordan at the five. I think KD plays the four more or less late in this season or late in crunch time. I think Joe Harris is going to come off the bench. With Dinwiddie, I think Jeff Green, those three right there, that's 35, 40 points right there. Jeff Green, he's a he's a good player. And people sleep on him. He could he also got a jump shot last year. He could shoot the three ball. Joe Harris is a good player too. Spencer Dinwiddie is a six man of the year candidate every year. Then Jared Allen's gonna come off the bench too. And Bruce Bowen, well, Bruce Brown is his last name, I think. Yeah. yeah, he's also a solid player, underrated defender. So I think this team. Championship or bust. I don't. I, I think there should be nothing else. I think Katie and Kyrie have the best supporting cast 
in the league. There should be any excuse in, bearing any injuries. And this is a championship or bust for them. They should definitely be thinking about this team for the next two years, two, three years staying together. And I, I can definitely see two, three chips down the line. If, if injuries aside, the chemistry is right, the cognuity is right, and they get it going. And KD is still that guy because before he was hurt, he was the second best player in the planet. So that, that's my take. I have him as a uh, second seed. Yeah, and, and when you look at this team, like this is really what Jay-Z pictured when he moved this team to Brooklyn, like <laughs> a top-of-the-line attraction. Beyond like any basketball fan would look at the Nets this season, on paper, if you could turn off injuries and chemistry, it's them and the Lakers, neck and neck, the two best teams in basketball. But, of course, those are the two issues, and I will address them injury-wise if you could get KD back at even 70% of what he was before the injury, you're looking at arguably the best team in basketball. And I'm not in the business of overreacting to preseason games, but against the Wizards the other night, Kevin Durant looked just as good as he looked when he was with the Warriors, if not better. He was super efficient playing next to Kyrie Irving, who looked just as good as he was before his injury. So I know it's one game. But health-wise, it was nice to see them come out and still be those same dudes. Can they do it over 72 games? A whole different question, but it was a nice sign. And I don't think that either of them are going to play the whole season. That's why the depth is super important. You guys mentioned a bunch of names. Two names that you didn't even mention, TLC, Timothy Luau Cabro, who lit it up in the bubble last year, and Tyler Johnson, who did a great job in the bubble, aren't even going to see daylight when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are playing. But Odds are both of those guys are going to find a way to sit 20 games this season because you'd rather than be rested for the playoffs. So it's nice to have that depth where you could put out a lineup, even without your two best players, you still have Dinwiddie, Levert, Harris, you know, Torian Prince, Allen, Jordan. It's a hit squad. There, there's no question about it. Now the biggest question mark is the chemistry. Of course, probably the biggest cast of characters, personalities in the league and when I got the notification that Steve Nash was being brought in as the head coach, I did a double take. Nobody saw it coming, but What's he was hailed as a player. Yeah, he was hailed as a player, as one of the best communicators in NBA history. He worked with the Warriors and Steve Kerr hand in hand, did a great job there. So I think Sean Marks hit it out of the park with this signing, then saying, you know, we know we're not a great defensive team, so let's go all in on the offensive end. Bring in Mike D'Antonio, one of the most prolific offensive coaches of all time. Bring in Jacques Vaughn back, who who did great uh, did a great job with this team last season in the bubble, minus Kenny Atkinson and Amari Stoudemire, who you know bringing him in him in to work with these bigs and playing this offense is a perfect guy you want to mentor Allen and Jordan in this system. So I love what they did with the coaching staff. I love the depth. The injuries and the chemistry are the two question marks. And I feel like they did a good job to hedge their bets in those two areas. So if you can get to the playoffs and Kyrie and Kevin Durant are healthy on the roster, there's no reason they should not win a championship. Well, the reason they won't win or they probably won't win is because LeBron is in LA with Anthony Davis, the first and second best player in the world. That, that That's my opinion. You, so talked about, you, talked about, you talked about Kevin Durant in Golden State, and man, I got a Kevin Durant card right here. Golden State card, Brooklyn Nets logo, jersey <laughs> patch right here. Kevin Durant trading card, you know, <laughs> Panini prism. 
Man, this is this is worth something, man. Especially I, I bought this card because I said if KD does good next year, I'm gonna sell it. Cause I know this might be going up. I got a bunch of cards. I got a Joe Burrow one here, but yeah, I, look, I think the Nets are going to be a fantastic team. I'm a Knicks fan, so I'm guessing I have to have this rivalry, but I really don't feel any ill will towards the Nets. I hope you sure. I hope they do well. I don't think they will win a championship just because I feel like Kyrie's personality, his antics with the media, his mood swings will probably be will probably cause the Nets. You know, with Kevin Durant, he's a stand-up guy. He's more of a stand-up guy. He's more straightforward. So I know what I'm getting with Durant. Like Riv mentioned earlier, if I got to trade Kyrie Irving straight up for James Harden, I'd do it. You, we, we talked about yeah. this roster with Kyrie. You bring in James Harden. They are a lock to win the championship. A lock. Well, my, my only issue with that is like, if the biggest problem with with Kyrie Irving is his problems with the media and off the court, like you're going six in one hand, half a dozen in the other after everything that's coming out about James Harden, you know, partying with little baby the day the preseason starts, like that's a really bad look. And we read, you know, what happened with him and Westbrook. I, I just feel like you would be talent wise. Harden is the better player, but if the motive for them making that deal is Kyrie's antics in the media and all that, I just feel like, you're making a lateral move in that aspect. Basketball wise, I agree with you straight up one for one. It's no, it's a no brainer, but you know, I think that when you look at this group, guys like Kevin Durant and Deandre Jordan, and then, you know, Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni are the right people to rein Kyrie Irving in and make sure, you know, he stays grounded even when he might have these, I guess, outbursts, if you may. And I think that that's what happened when he went to the media and spoke for the first time this season and apologized, I would not be surprised at all if Kevin Durant went to him, spoke to him and said, listen, like we don't need this going into the season. And I trust this group to mesh together. Maybe it's just me being an overly optimistic Nets fan, but I do think they have a good group that seem to like each other. I was watching Kyrie's Instagram live the other night and they were talking about the team. They seem like they have a good camaraderie but it's very easy to, you know, show that on the, on the outside. The only thing that will tell us is, you know, moving through the season, but as a net fan, I feel really good to be able to watch a team like this and be excited about them when it was just a decade ago that I was watching Johan Petro, Anthony Morrow, Jarvis Hayes. You guys Evan went 12 Harris. and 7. You went 12 and 7. I mean, terrible. Like, do, do I think if the deal is there, they should make it? I do. I don't think it would happen because not only if, if Kyrie gets traded to Houston for Harden, I don't know. I don't know if this is sure or not. This is just my gut feeling. I think KD is closer friends with Kyrie than James Harden. That's just my gut feeling. And if I think they won't trade Kyrie because KD is his best friend. And if they were to do a trade like that, KD would have to okay it, and we all know that. And if he okays a trade like that, that might damage his friendship with Kyrie Irving because they came to Brooklyn together. They they planned this out together. So because of that, I don't think they would trade Kyrie for Harden. And the problem is, like, we talked about the heat potential dealing for James Harden. I trust Jimmy Butler as an alpha dog to go out there, keep James Harden in line, 
you know, obviously and then up the ladder, Eric Spolstra, Pat Riley. Although I think the Nets have a good front office. Like, I don't know if I trust Kevin Durant as much to apply that pressure on James Harden and say like, you got to tighten up the act, beat the film sessions on time, not missing practice. You know, you leave with the team, you come with the team, whatever it may be. Like I would trust Jimmy Butler to take care of that more in Miami, just because I don't think he cares what anybody thinks of him. He wants the ball and win championships and that's it. And I don't see that alpha out of Kevin Durant as much. And that's no knock on Kevin Durant. It's just a different leadership style. So I don't know if that would mesh. And I agree with you on the point with Kyrie, like, they planned this out to come to Brooklyn, and I don't think that him, Kyrie, or DeAndre Jordan are going to be leaving Brooklyn without one another. So it'll be interesting to see. There's no question about it. And as much as I said I'm excited about my team, it's very weird to see us as like a, a test tube team. Like everybody's going to be watching to see what happens, almost not in a good way because it's such an explosive group. You know, I think that, they finish with the fourth seed, which is pretty low for them. I think the chemistry problems are just going to be there. And that's, and that's why I have them finishing with the fourth seed. You mentioned them taking day, them taking games off. That's why I think they'll finish fourth. But I can see them finishing as high as first. Mm. And I think their, their floor is fourth. They won't go below that, in my opinion. I also agree. I think their floor is fourth. They'll finish first, I think, in the playoffs is championship or bust. And I do think Kyrie, and I know it's a knock on Kyrie, the weird old stuff. He's he does all this nonsense for the media. But I do think if they can even get a smidge of that 2016 Kyrie in the playoffs, even that 2015 Kyrie in the playoffs, they'll definitely be able to beat LA. I know AD is the hot take right now. He's he has the recency bias that people are saying he's the second best player in the league, but it's Kevin Durant. I, in my opinion, Kevin Durant is the second best player in the league and the guy to, to challenge LeBron for the crown. And when you have a guy like that, I think you'll always be dominant. And KD is healthy. This team, there's nobody in the East that can stop him, not to mention Kyrie. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this team puts it all together. And we still have yet to see the projection of Karis LeVert and how he's going to improve his game, if he's going to stay healthy, and if he's healthy, and he's improving his game. You got a third guy who can be a third star on a championship team, not to mention the sixth man of the year candidate on the bench. So this team is going to be really interesting to see. It's going to be a lot of eyes on them. Brooklyn, you know, New York, Mecca, all that good stuff. So it's going to be a lot of eyes. Jay-Z's, you know, Jay-Z's, that's, his, that's the guys he wanted to build. So it's going to be interesting to see. And I wish we had fans, you know, make it bigger. But, you know, it's going to be tough to see. But I have them floor four. Ceiling one championship or bust. Yeah, I do have I I have them at three, but I could see them anywhere from one if everything goes as planned, works out perfectly. I could see them at one. I could also see them at five, just depending on how you know if there is injuries, how many games Kyrie and KD sit. So it's a lot of question marks there, but I do have them sitting at three. They have the talent and they have the bench for even when Kyrie and KD sit. So I, I agree with Riv on this one, like. There's no doubt they should be a championship team this year. That should be the goal, win a championship. And I know that behemoth coming out from the West is going to be tough to stop, especially when, like, you don't really have somebody for Anthony Davis, but who do they have to stop Kyrie and Kevin Durant? You know, it, no it's going to be – I hope we see that matchup because 
even further than a net fan, like just as a basketball fan, that would be a spectacular series. So I think it's going to be interesting to see. But I have them. At, yeah, I have them at three, ceiling one, floor five. Next team we're going to talk about is the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic had the eighth seed last season. They finished 33 and 47 games below 500. They lost to the Bucks 4-1, and it seems like for the past two seasons, they tend to steal a game in game one. <laughs> but for me, it's just where do they go next? They have a collection of vets in Vucevic and Fournier and Aaron Gordon, if you can classify him as a vet because he's been in the league for a while. For a while, Terrence, Terrence Ross is there as well. Then they have some young players like they took a chance on Markel Fultz. They drafted Cole Anthony. They signed Dwayne Bacon. Mo Bamba's still there. You can also classify Gordon as that young player as well, even though I think he's like in the middle. But yeah, I mean, guys who left, Wesley Wundu left to Dallas. He was a pretty good role player for them last season. He came into his own in the second half of the year. And DJ Augustine, they replaced him with Cole Anthony who now will come off the bench in that guard spot. Al-Faruq Aminu still injured. Steve Clifford is a pretty good coach. He tends to get the best out of his teams. He did it in Charlotte and then in Orlando for the past two years. But in a more competitive Eastern Conference, I just don't see a scenario where the Orlando Magic will make the playoffs, especially after losing Jonathan Isaac, who's out for the year. You know, we're, the Magic, in my opinion, are counting on Markel Fultz to take a big leap because they, they and Mo Bamba. yeah they did and Mo Bamba who knows where he is, he's at in his development but they took a little bit of a risk on Markel Fultz which really wasn't a risk at all I think it was like a, they traded like a second round pick I don't they gave nothing up for Markel Fultz to see what he can become and he's been solid thus far but the Magic are really hoping that he can be even more than that and he can possibly blossom into an All Star. Last year was technically technically his rookie season, but yeah, I just I just I just don't know where do they go next. Do they tear the whole thing up? Do they rebuild? Like where do you go next? It seems like they're kind of stuck in no man's land. I think I think the obvious answer should be rebuild. I don't think they're good enough to compete. I think they have a bunch of guys that are good at one thing, but there's just not enough. Like, you just don't know. That roster is in no man's land. I think Vucevic deserves a better position. I think he should be in a, on a good spot, a good team, a good playoff team. I think they should ship him. You know, he's around that. I think he's like 30. So, he's – it's about time. His contract's pretty big. It's about time to get him out. I think Evan Fournier is going to be what he's going to be. I think you should also ship him. I think three highlights, Mo Bamba – well, four, I'm sorry. Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac. Markel Fultz, and now you drafted Cole Anthony. I think those should be the guys you should be trying to build around moving forward. Those are your young pieces. Those are your young assets. I think Eric Gordon is young, but I think he's. we've already seen what he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be better than what he is at this point in his career. Terrence Ross, another guy who's like a Spencer Dinwiddie or like a Dennis Troy, he's going to give you that 13-14 off the bench. He's just, I think one game he had like 30, he had zero assists, zero rebounds. He's just going to score. So that's another guy you should get off the books. I think this team is in a position where you shouldn't, you should take the right path and tank. Well, not even tank because I, I don't, but rebuild because you have a group of young guys and you have a group of veterans that you can get good value for if you don't sit and wait on it. So I think Steve Clifford, I think he's a guy who can you can still keep and he can still develop the young guys. 
but the veterans, you got to get them out of there for some good first round picks, second round. I think Vucevic is definitely worth a lottery pick. I think Fournier is worth a late first rounder. And in this draft coming up, a late first rounder can be a star. So I think that's the direction they should go in. I mean, Dwayne Bacon is there too. I think he has a lot of potential. Coming from yeah. Charlotte. As much as I like Steve Clifford as a coach, they just strike me as a team on the outside looking in because they didn't improve at all this offseason in my eyes. Like, in fact, I think they got a little bit worse with that John Isaac injury. He was such an instrumental part of that team last year. And to lose him for the season changes the outlook of what they're going to be. I know a perfect spot for Nick Vucevic up in Boston. They need a center. He would fit perfectly. And the Celtics have assets. Why not? Start that rebuild because right now they're in what I like to call basketball purgatory. And it's a place that you don't easily escape if you don't make the moves necessary because if they keep going with this team, they're nowhere near a championship unless Markel Fultz turns into LeBron over the offseason. And they're nowhere near a, a good pick. So you're going to have to do an extremely good job in the draft or hit on a big-time free agent. And I have not seen anything – that would give me hope of either of those two things. So I agree with Riv. I would just blow it up. I do actually think they have some nice young pieces. You guys named a couple of them, obviously Markel Fultz, uh, Cole Anthony, Mo Bamba, John Isaac, when he comes back from the injury, another guy, Chuma Okiki from Auburn. He was a part of that, you know, national championship, close run for Auburn. Play with Isaac Okoro. Yeah, I think he has some nice potential, although he's coming off an injury. So we have to see how he returns to basketball form. I think they have some nice young pieces, but right now their team, one, didn't get any better, and two, doesn't fit the mold of the NBA. They were the worst shooting team from the three-point line in the league last year. So, like, they're just stuck. And I think the only way to get out of that is to unstuck yourself by trading Vucevic, trade Ross, trade Fournier, get what you can for him and build up some young talent and then use those assets to go get stars. And then you make yourself a destination down in Orlando next to Walt Disney world. You know, you have the sales pitch, but you got to tear it down and build it back up. And that's my take on them. See, in my opinion, I think the starting lineup isn't bad. You got Markel Foltz, Fournier, Dwayne Bacon's probably going to start Aaron Gordon, Vucevic. It's not a bad team. They can be competitive and off the bench. Terrence Ross is there. You got Cole Anthony, Mo Bamba. We're hoping that Mo Bamba develops into something even better than, you know, Vucevic, to be honest, because he was a top five pick. I'm pretty sure he was a top five pick. So he's supposed to be that future centerpiece. But it right now, to this point, it's looking like they whiffed on that pick. You know, so, I mean, the Magic, I, I have them finishing with the 10 seed this season. I can see them as high as eight. I can see them sneaking into the playoffs if things go right. But I can also see them being as low as 11 or as low as 12 as well. I have them in the play-in. I don't see them getting the eighth seed unless something magical happens, like Indiana forms out or the team I have at seven forms out. But I have them in the play-in, maybe, maybe a seed under. But I just don't see – I think Jonathan Isaac, they were. I think they were like 28th – I think they were like 28th in defense last year. They weren't that good defensively. And Jonathan Isaac was on the team. So I think losing him drops you immensely because he can guard one through five, literally. He can guard down low. He can guard at the perimeter. He's going to get you the steals. He's going to get you the blocks. He's easily a top 10 defender in the league. So losing him is going to be really, really huge. So I think this team is going to have some trouble defending. 
And like you said, they're the worst shooting team in the league. So I don't, I don't know their direction. They don't really have a go-to. Like outside of Vucevic, who's like a back-to-basket type of big, he can shoot though, but he's more old school. They don't have a go-to score on the perimeter. They have a young, young guys on the perimeter. You're relying on a rookie to come off the bench who wasn't known as a playmaker and was a pretty inefficient scorer at UNC. So you're relying on that guy to really turn it up. So it's, it's going to be tough to see, man. Yeah, I have them finishing at 10 this season. I could see them sneaking up to like potentially even seven if things go really well and that young talent pans out. But I could see them falling all the way to like worst case scenario, 11 or maybe 12. But I think they're solid at 10. They're in that second tier towards the bottom of that second tier for me, right at 10 where I had them. Um, I could see two or three teams potentially jumping them but I'll get to those later, but I just Mm. don't like the spot they're in. Like you look at where they're going to end up, say they get the eight seed or they win the play-in game and they sneak into the playoffs. How do they compete with the Bucks, Celtics, Nets, Heat, Sixers, Raptors? I just don't see that. So it's just a bad spot for them right now. Yeah. I know exactly the two teams too. The next team we're going to talk about is the Washington Wizards. They finished 25 and 47 last season. They were the ninth seed. They went into the bubble, but Bradley Beal didn't show up. So, you know, they didn't have a chance. (laughs) And for me, I think this season, the storyline for them is Westbrook will be the difference. Westbrook, the difference. That's it. That's all you need to know. A former MVP He's coming off his most efficient season this past year. They re-signed Davis Bertans, five years, 80 million. They signed Raul Neto, Robin Lopez. And they also got a first-round pick in that Russell Westbrook deal, which can kick in as early as 2023. They lost Shabazz Napier. They lost Ian Mahimi. They lost Jerry and Grant, John Wall, of course, and Gary Payne II, which means they didn't really lose much. You know, all these guys, they didn't really lose much. Russell Westbrook reuniting with Scott Brooks. I love that. I love them. That I love that they're reuniting. We've seen Westbrook in practice igniting that team. I love his energy. And now I think the Wizards have possibly the best backcourt in the East with Westbrook and Bradley Beal. You know, I, maybe there's some teams above them, but I think they're the best backcourt in the East. And, I mean, their team, they, they're surrounded with shooters. They can surround shooters around Westbrook. Bradley Beal, Troy Brown Jr., Rui, who looks, who looks like he's improved as a shooter, Thomas Bryant, Davis Bertans, who's a sniper, Denny Avdija, He's there. Isaac Bonga, Garrison Matthews, who's a really good shooter, who's a sleeper as well. Raul Neto's there. Moritz Wagner, Cassius Winston, they drafted him. So this team has a lot of young talent. They'll struggle defensively, but that offense is going to be must-watch TV. And I think Westbrook can lead them to the playoffs. Yeah, I, I actually have to start off with an apology because I've been very rough on Russell Westbrook since the season ended and moving into the dealing of Russell Westbrook to now. I think I gave him too much slack or I gave him too much flack, I should say, for what happened in Houston. Um, it, it's just since he's left there, so much more has come out and become available to us. And when you look at the regular season, I was a little bit unfairly harsh on him. It was his most efficient regular season of his career. He just had a bad bubble. And I will say a lot of that probably had to do with his injuries. So it'll be nice to see him get back healthy. And the more important thing for me is like, 
I mentioned before when we were talking about James Harden, that Tim McMahon article from the, you know, it included some quotes from the bubble, including James Harden showing up late to a film session and Russell Westbrook saying something along the lines of just start the film session without him. And they made the whole team wait because Harden was late. And from what we've seen, there's been some mic'd ups of him at practice. I saw him on the bench with the wizards the other day. Like it's hard for me to tell. I don't know the guy personally, but he seems in great spirits. He seems happier. He seems like really happy with this core that's around him. And they seem to be meshing well and if he could ignite this team alongside Bradley Beal, who's a prolific scorer, and you mentioned a bunch of the young pieces that I like, and, and I got to see them against the Nets the other night, and I said it before, I'm not in the business of overreacting to one preseason game, but Denny Advia, Denny Advia looked spectacular coming into his first game. Obviously a little rough around the edges, but better than I would have expected to see him in his first NBA game. Thomas Bryan, I think, is a nice big for this team. Roy Hachimura coming off a solid rookie season, like Troy Brown Jr., Mo Wagner, Davis Bertans, Ish Smith, Cassius Winston. They have pieces. And, like, I don't see them competing with – like, they're not in that top six for me. I don't see them competing with those top six teams. But, one, they're going to be an incredibly fun team to watch. And two, I think that outside of those six teams that I call playoff locks, they're as close to a playoff lock as it gets on the heels of Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. I think Westbrook is going to have another very nice regular season. I don't know if he matches last season's output, efficiency-wise especially, because he played so well in the regular season. But I do think that him and Beal will this team to the postseason, not even a play-in postseason. I have them actually finishing at seven. Well. I disagree. I think this team could easily be a top five seed in the league. Just off seeding alone, I think regular season, I have them in the four to seven range. I think they can get as high as four, bearing injuries to other teams. And I think they'll be right around the five, six cups, uh, five, six cups. But I want to say this, though. I think Westbrook is on the verge of having a really impressive season. I think in Houston, you saw the spacing when they had shooters out there. And I think Washington has better shooters than Houston, or at least a more versatile group of shooters because Washington's bigs can shoot also. I mean, not to cut you off, Riv, but Houston, they were a shooting three-point shooting team because they took so many. But Washington's actually an efficient three-point shooting team. Houston was one of the worst teams shooting-wise in the league. I was I was getting to that. You know, you didn't have to cut me off. Um, yeah, thank you for saying that, Joel, for saying my piece. Yeah, so Washington's an efficient Shooting three-point team. So, you know, you got Bryant, Wagner. Rui can't shoot. He, he he can shoot the mid-range more than he can shoot the three, but that's still pick and pop. He can cut to the basket. He can get the Davis Bertans one of the – he's a sniper in this league. He can shoot the three ball. Then you got Denny. Denny is a bit of a European, so, you know, he has that playmaking. He'll take a backseat. He'll be cool. Then you have a guy in Bradley Bill, a guy who can be the number one scorer, the number two scorer, whatever you name him to be, off-ball, on-ball. He can do that. And I think him and Westbrook are going to really vibe and gel together. And I think this team is going to score a lot of points and be really good in the East and be very competitive. And this is going to be a harder team to beat in that first round just off the simple fact they can hit the three, which is so big in today's game. And they have a star who I, I still feel like can be a superstar in Westbrook with an all-star in Bradley Bill. See, in my opinion, when you look at this Washington roster, Westbrook, like we mentioned, is the difference 
And Westbrook has gotten a bad rap throughout his career. And I've always been the first one to defend him outside of last year in Houston, where I feel like he played horrible in the bubble. I've always been the one to defend him. In OKC, he took a team with Victor Oladipo, Sabonis, his rookie year, Steven Adams, and Terrence Ferguson to the playoffs. I, no, I think Andre Robinson started that season for the majority of the year. No spacing whatsoever. Average a triple-double, took them to the sixth seed in the Western Conference, a, a really great Western Conference. Now you see him like, what's the biggest knock on Westbrook is that when he leaves players, they become better. Paul George had an MVP year with Westbrook. Nobody talks about that. Harden, he spoke, he Harden, spoke about it. Harden led the league in scoring last year. Nobody spoke about that. They they worked. They were like the highest scoring duo in NBA history. And I would say that Harden's efficiency dropped because Harden wasn't able to compromise his game to fit Westbrook's game more. Harden had that it wasn't that great efficiency wise last year. It was one of the worst years of his career because he played ISO ball heavily. And I think Bradley Beal last year in Washington, he had to do that for the majority of the year for them. But I think Bradley Beal is much more efficient when he's playing off the ball, when he's getting set up. And I have a quote from Bradley Beal right here that he just said, I think Russell will propel me into a new level that I haven't tapped into yet. And I'm excited about it. I mean, Westbrook is a star, potential superstar. Bradley Beal can be a superstar. So you can have, you have two potential superstars coming into this year for Washington and as good as John Wall was at John Wall's best, he wasn't what Russell Westbrook was at his best. So I think this is a win for Washington. Like you said, I have them. I actually don't have them as high as four. I have them as high as seven. That's the highest I'll go with Washington. I, I have them finishing with the eighth seed, though. And I can see them going, being as low as nine or low as 10 if that defense is truly awful throughout the year. Yeah, I have them as high as possibly six, and that would take one of those top six teams, like I mentioned, having a really bad year, which I don't see. So realistically, I have them at seven. I think their their ceiling is seven or maybe six, but I could only see them going as low as maybe 10, but more likely nine. So I'm going to put them at seven and bet on the fact that Scott Brooks can tap into Westbrook, You know, have him have another season like he had last year, and him and Bradley Beal, I feel like, are both going to have a little breath of fresh air here. You know, Bradley Beal's been waiting for John Wall for two years to get back onto the court just when it seemed like he was hitting his stride with John Wall. And now he gets a guy in, West, in Westbrook who is coming off probably one of the most miserable situations he's been in last year from what we've read in Houston to come to Washington where there's not a lot of pressure. Like, nobody is expecting much from this team, so – I think that this is a very good situation for Westbrook to come into and turn around. And I, I'll say again, I apologize because I was very harsh on the Wizards for making the deal and Russell Westbrook, but I do think this will be a good partnership this year. And I, and I think with the last time we saw, it wasn't a lot of pressure on Westbrook, 32, 10 and 10, you know, the pressure wasn't all OKC at all to make any noise that year. And we saw him put up one of the greatest triple doubles we've ever seen. And to go back to your point, Paul George talked about it in his interview. Westbrook made him a better player. He turned him into that MVP-like player with his aggressiveness and, his, and the way he took a back seat. And I think people forget that Westbrook can take a back seat if you work with him. You know, you got to take a back seat to him and take a back seat to you. So I think 
This is going to be a very interesting duo. I think this is still going to be one of the best scoring duos in the East. And I'm very, I'm very interested to see how Bradley Beal comes in into, into the season with a guy like Russell Westbrook. And is there a potential scenario where Westbrook, I, I guess we can all, this is not certain, but he probably won't win a championship in his career. Like, you know, that's not set in gold, but it's probably leaning that yeah. way. Is there a scenario where what happened with Chris Paul and his reputation and how it got better, how he goes to younger teams and rebuilding teams and makes them better and they make the playoffs. We now view Chris Paul in a different light. We now view him as a leader and mentor and in a building stone. If you want to, you know, develop young guys, this is a perfect opportunity for Westbrook to change his reputation around his reputation. You know, thanks to Colin Coward is stat padding, ball hog, all of these other negative names, but he has a chance here to take the Wizards to the playoffs and get his reputation back and get, oh, no, Westbrook is actually a leader. We see it happening already with the clips we've seen on social media. So this is a this is a big year for Westbrook as well, as well as the Wizards and as well as Westbrook. This is a big year for him to fix his reputation, and I think he'll do it. And a lot of guys, like the young guys, Rui, Thomas Bryant, they talked about in the practice how Westbrook is leading the charge. He's being vocal. He's being that guy that Chris Paul was for that OKC team last year. So the results obviously have to play a part as what Chris Paul did, but I think they're going to be in tune to play a part because of the simple fact that Bradley Beal is pretty much better than everybody that was on the team last year for Chris Paul. So I think this team is going to be a lot better than last year's OKC team. So I'm very excited to see them. I won't lie. Yeah, I love that Chris Paul comp, honestly. I think it's it's a great spot for him to be in because you look at Westbrook and I can't find a teammate his entire career that said a bad word about him. In fact, he's had teammates going out of their way to say great things about him. So I like that leadership role for him. Even if he's not going to find his way to a championship at any point, I do think we're going to look back on him and say, you know, we underappreciated him while he was there. No matter what he does, statistically because we know he's a great statistical player but just as a leader I think he's done a good job and I think now like you said it'll have more light shined on it if you know they end up being a playoff team and and he makes these players around him better the next thing we're going to talk about is the Charlotte Hornets they had the 10th seed they finished 23 and 42 and for me of course LaMelo isn't the best player on the Hornets he struggled so far in preseason, even though everybody wants to hype it up. But in my opinion, the Hornets are must-watch TV, just like the Wizards, because LaMelo brings buzz. Everybody has their eye on LaMelo. I'm not certain of this, but LaMelo might have more Instagram followers than the Hornets team Instagram. I mean, this guy is, is famous, as famous as you can be. And... They re-signed Bismack Biombo. Of course, they signed Gordon Hayward to that massive contract. They lost Dwayne Bacon, Nicholas Batum, which is actually a, an addition for them by losing him. Hernan Gomez, their coach, James Borrego. He's a pretty good coach. And in the draft, he drafted LaMelo, Vernon Carey Jr., and Grant Riller. For me, I think, I think LaMelo, he could easily start, but I, I can see a scenario, and I think it will be the case that he'll come off the bench. You start Terry, Devontae Graham, 
Gordon Hayward, P.J. Washington, and Cody Zeller. You have LaMelo be your sixth man. Pair him up with Miles Bridges off the bench, Biombo. I like Jalen McDaniel's game as well. Cody Martin, Malik Monk is still there. Kayla Martin, Vernon Carey. I mean, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of young pieces. But that being said, I just don't know where their ceiling is. I don't think they have a true star or superstar player. They don't have one at all. They just have a, a compliment. They just have a bunch of players that are good that can complement one another. But I think in an East that has been stronger than the years past, I don't see this being enough to get into the playoffs unless LaMelo is like lights out in the in his rookie year, which I don't see that being. I think he's going to take some time to develop. I think this team is good enough to make the play in. I, I like this team in the direction that it's going in. You know, you have – Terry Rozier, who's a good player. Devontae Graham, who broke out last year. He, he can be that dynamic scorer. LaMelo, I feel like they're going to groom him in, bring him in slowly. You know, you have a scorer in Devontae and a playmaker in Terry Rozier. So that's going to help LaMelo get it going. And you've seen a lot in the preseason that LaMelo, he doesn't need to score to impact the game. So that's going to be good in their favor. Miles Bridges took a step last year. The Martin Twins were solid guys coming off the bench. You've seen P.J. Washington. He was he can be a three-point sniper down the line. So this is a good team. Malik Monk got it going late in the season. So this is a good team with a lot of – the guys I just named are all 25 and under, at least. So bringing in Gordon Hayward, a veteran, who's going to give you that 18-5-5, and five, this team is going to be good and fun to watch. They're not going to be the best team. They're not going to be the worst team. And I like the direction they're going in. They're going to be good enough where they're going to fight every night. And they're still going to have – you know, a draft composition, a lottery pick, and that's going to be good for them down the line. So I like this team going in. I think they can make a run for the bubble and the plan, but I wouldn't be surprised if they pop out of it, but I still think they'll be competitive most nights. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same way you guys do. You know, I like to call them league pass teams. Like this is a league pass team for me. This is a team I'm going to have my eyes on. I'm going to be watching because they're so intriguing. <laughs> A lot of young talent, like Riff said, you like you said, Joel, Devontae Graham, even Terry Rozier is not as young, but he's still a pretty young talent. PJ Washington, LaMelo, Miles Bridges, Malik Monk. And then you surround that, the, the Martin twins, you surround that with older guys like Bismack Biombo, Gordon Hayward, Cody Zeller. And they're like the, the value market version of what you would want in a good team. And although I don't see them like they're another team that's on the outside looking in, they are the first team out of my third tier in the Eastern conference, which is young teams that if everything goes right and, and a guy like LaMelo produces right away, I can see them sneaking in. They might need some help. I have them at 11, but I could see them getting up to like maybe nine in a perfect scenario, but I could also see them falling back to like 13. So they're just one of those teams with, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of different outcomes could be possible for them this year. But I like the direction they're heading. They're heading in. I didn't love the Gordon Hayward signing because I felt like it was a little misguided in what they were trying to do in developing that young talent. But he brings in a nice little veteran presence and gives them a chance to make the playing game this year. So I feel confident saying that they could be one of those sleeper playoff teams. Yo, you know what? They're going to be like the last year's Sacramento Kings. No, two years ago, Sacramento Kings. They're going to be fun to watch, exciting. They're going to compete with the Warriors. They're going to compete. You know, they're going to compete with LA some nights. They're going to compete with the Bucks some nights. 
Now, you're going to see a lot of competitive games from Charlotte against top teams. They're not going to always win them. Probably not going to win none of them. But you're going to see the fight and the dog in them. Yeah, I mean, I think Charlotte is definitely going to be an exciting team. And LaMelo, you mentioned it. He doesn't have to score to impact the game. So does James Borrego say, you know what, let's get Terry Rozier off the bench and let's have LaMelo start because he's more of a natural playmaker? Do you go in that direction? I think, yeah. There are different directions that they can go in. You know, do you start Miles Bridges, who's looking like he's on a verge of a breakout season? P.J. Washington is very good as well. So I don't know. They can go different ways. I mean, I think a fantasy lineup for me, which is not their starting lineup, but just like a fantasy lineup, would be LaMelo, Devontae Graham, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, and P.J. Washington. When they want to go small, that's the fantasy lineup. You go, I think that would be their fourth quarter lineup, honestly. Yeah, you go small like that. You have LaMelo leading the charge and playmaking. But I agree with you, what you guys said. I mean, they're a young team. They still don't have the talent to compete with those other teams that are in the playoffs, which is why I have them on the outside looking in. I think they'll finish with the 12th seed. But I can, I can see them being as high as eight. And as low as 11 or 12, I don't think they fall below 12, but I, I have them finishing 12. Yeah, and, and that lineup that you mentioned is what makes them so exciting. That lineup is must-see TV. Like, that's a really fun team to watch. You said LaMelo doesn't need to score to impact the game. His first preseason game, he didn't make a bucket, but he had 10 rebounds and four assists. So he's making his presence felt elsewhere. There's no question about that. And the scoring will come. Like, he's a natural baller. He's been playing basketball his whole life. We watched him every step of the way from, uh, you know, with his brothers out in California. And yeah, Chino Hills, the overseas. And now here, you know, he played with NBA players over in Australia that's in the NBL that said he was the best passer he ever played with. So like, he's going to be fun to watch. And I'm excited to watch this team grow under James Borrego, who's trying to instill the right mentality in this team and they're trending in the right direction for sure. I love this young talent they have and I can't wait to watch them. Yeah. I think uh, I'll go with Joel's. I think they, I can realistically see them touching eight seed, maybe nine probably. And I can see them getting in the play and I can see them going, dropping his 12 or 13, you know, getting that low. I would probably roll out a LaMelo, Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington and Cody Zeller lineup to start. I think Terry Rozier could be a great six-man-of-the-year candidate, along with Malik Monk. You know, you bring those two guys off the bench. That's a pretty dynamic scoring duo right off the bench. Not to mention you could bring in a Martin Twin off the bench, too, and Bismack Biombo. But that would probably be my lineup, LaMelo, Graham, Bridges, P.J. Washington, and then uh, Cody Zeller. Yeah, I agree. And I know this is a very long episode, probably going to be like three hours long. So if you guys have been listening this far, we appreciate you guys. We have five more teams to go. Oh, my goodness. And I, I, I think that these teams are going to go pretty quick, to be honest with you. Yeah, don't, dis- don't disrespect. Don't disrespect you know, my team. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of getting fatigued a little bit. <laughs> But I'm gonna. I'm trying to keep my energy up and you know keep you it see up. See me here. over here. I had the feet up. I was over here like. <laughs> the next team we're gonna talk about is, is River Browns team. What the Chicago, hell? The Chicago Bulls. They finished with the 11 seed last year, 22 and 43. And this might be a hot take, but for me, 
I'm excited. For Wait a Patrick minute. Willis. Why didn't you? Why didn't when Nets popped up? Why didn't you say Jack Bartek team? Why did you only say my name? Because I felt like it, man. I do what I feel. Like. But I'm I'm excited for Patrick Williams. Before I get into him, I'm gonna talk about their moves. Porter picked up the option, of course, because nobody was gonna pay him that amount of money anywhere else. <laughs> Denzel Valentine's option was picked up. They signed Garrett Temple, Noah Vonley, Devon Dotson from Kansas, who I, I like his game, even though he's an undersized point guard. They lost Chris Dunn, Shaquille Harrison, and the, the biggest thing of the biggest move of them all, they got Billy Donovan to be their coach, which, you know, if he pans out, the Bulls have a pretty, they have a higher ceiling than what other people are expecting them to be. But a guy I want to talk about right now is, is Patrick Williams, drafted fourth overall. On draft night, it was looked at as a reach. I thought it was a reach. I thought it was a bad pick. But studying him, looking at the film, seeing what people are saying around the league about him, seeing what people that I respect are saying about him, I think he's going to shock a lot of people. You know, Patrick Williams, he has a size. He's an elite defender. People just question his offensive game. But I think he's more developed offensively than people give him credit for. And just a guy who talks basketball, Rashad Phillips. He talked about Patrick Williams shocking people. Then Pooh Jeter doubled down on it on Twitter. And Devin the Lab, Devin Williams, one of the most renowned basketball trainers, said that, yo, these guys told me that Patrick Williams was like that. And he (laughs) he trusts these guys. So and if, if Devin the Lab says that, if Devin Williams says that Patrick Williams is going to be good and don't sleep on him, I'm not going to sleep on him. I'm, I'm going to take his word for it because he's a great basketball mind. So I think Patrick Williams is going to shock a lot of people. And now you have a lineup of Kobe White, Zach Levine, Patrick Williams, Lori Markinen, and Wendell Carter Jr. I think this team can shock a lot of people coming into the regular season. Yeah, I actually agree. Um, and I I like Patrick Williams a lot. I thought that they reached a little bit on where they got him. But you look at where he's coming from. Florida State, Leonard Hamilton runs a spectacular program there. Even if they're not in those top teams every year, he's a great head coach and he's developing talent and making sure they're taught the right way there. Players in the last few years that he's brought to the NBA, Dwayne Bacon, Malik Beasley, John Isaac, all guys who have shown some serious upside. So, and Jack, not to cut you off, but even though I'm going to cut you off, Devin Vassell looks polished already. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm high on Florida <laughs> State guys in general. I'm high on Leonard Hamilton and what he teaches there. He's always competing in a very tough ACC. So I like that Patrick Williams move as much as I, I wasn't a fan of where they got him. You get your guy where you pick, and, and that's been shown amongst any sport. If you think you have you got your guy, it doesn't matter if you're reaching, you go and get him. And, again, I don't want to overreact to off-season tapes, but from what I've seen of Patrick Williams this off-season against other NBA players in pickup games, he looks legit. And, you know, I, I'm excited for this Bulls team. I'm echoing what Joel is saying. I put them in that same boat as the Hornets immediately – First, first thing, getting Jim Boylan out is, is a win. You automatically made your franchise better by getting rid of him. He was the worst coach in the league. And you got rid of that terrible ownership group and, and front office. You bring in Arturis Karnasovis and bring in Mark Eversley at the GM spot. You automatically have made yourself a better franchise in general. 
I spoke very highly of Larry Markkinen when we were talking about most improved player race. I He's my guy. And I think you have a lot of good young talent on this team. Kobe White, Zach Levine, Wendell Carter Jr., Larry Markkinen, even a guy like Tomas Sedaransky, Patrick Williams. Like There are some names on this team that I am very excited to see in a new system. So I think they could, so they could surprise some people. I have them in that same bubble with the Hornets as a team that I think can surprise a bunch of people, depending on what Billy Donovan does coming in here. Yeah, and uh, Chandler Hutchinson, he's a pretty good player too. Has Ryan, Arch- length. Ryan Archidiakono is still there, I believe, too, right? Uh-huh. I was going to mention him. I just don't know how to say his last name, so <laughs> I'm not going to miss him. So what are your thoughts on this, River Brown? <laughs> well, you're done cutting me off. I can, you know, chop it up. <laughs> no, um... You know, I don't, I don't like to watch off-season tape because I feel like people, you know, exaggerate it a little too much. People, like, drag it a little too much. But I'm glad you guys just told me about the Patsy Williams tape because I was extremely heated on draft night when we went above and beyond to pick that guy at four. But I, I do agree with Jack in the sense where Leonard Hamilton is great. And if you forgot to mention guys like Malik Beasley and Dwayne Bacon, those are guys who also played under him at Florida State. They're a top 25 team almost every year. They produce talent. He knows what he's doing. This team, you know, I had questions. You know, the, last year I wanted Cam. The year before that, I wanted Michael Porter Jr. So I've been raving about getting a wing. We needed a wing for a really long time. And Otto Porter Jr., he'll be off the books next year. So I'm hoping Patrick Williams gets to start this year so we can see how the young guy is. We can develop him faster. Kobe White is going to be an interesting guy. I, I feel like he's more of a scorer than playmaker and that's going to be intriguing to see because him and Zach are going to be in the same court together and Zach is a playmaker but he's our number one scorer too so that's asking a lot from him but I want to see the transition Lori makes and Wendell but if we're just healthy we can definitely be in that play-in type we can be like the Charlotte Lawrence I see us being as low as 12 13 but I also see this as high as 9 10 I think we could definitely be in the play-in my my situation is the bench Thomas Stenerancy is good, but he's not great. Daddy's young. He's kind of falling off in age. Denzel Valentine, he's not good. Let's just let's just cut it dry. Let's just call it with it. Chandler Hutchinson, he's young. Let's see how he is. Ryan Arson, that guy. Ryan A, we could, he's a steady point guard, Villanova point guard. So, you know, he's going to do everything right. He's going to do everything the right way. So, he's a good player. But Billy Donovan, I think the, the front office and Billy Donovan, I think that was the biggest thing. Jim Bola, I would not stress this enough. His quote was, Giannis was easy to stop and then started Chris Dunn on him to play the game. That was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And I will never forget that. So I'm glad he's out of here. The front office was making terrible moves ever since they traded Jimmy Butler. I'm glad they're done. We have the new guys. I'm excited in the direction we're going in. I hope Billy Donovan is the guy. And I'm just hoping we keep Zach. And I hope we'd be great, man. That's it, man. That's it. And a guy that's not getting mentioned either is Thaddeus Young. He's still on the team, and he's a pretty good role player. He started on the Nets for a couple, like a year or two. I'm not sure. But, yeah, you look at this lineup. Kobe White, Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Laurie Wendell off the bench. If he comes off the bench, Patrick Williams, Sadoransky, Hutchinson, Garrett Temple. Daniel Gafford. Young, gets burned too. He's yeah, good. Thad Young. Valentine, Gafford. I mean, I mentioned Gafford, but yeah, I mean, they got a lot of young guys. In my opinion, I think they can, they're going to finish with the 11th seed. I can see them finishing as high as eight or as low as 11 or 12. 
And in my opinion, if they finish low, it's not even that bad of a thing because this draft is heavy. You can get Bring your point guard in the future. If you get lucky enough, you get Cade. Or if you get unlucky enough, you still get lucky by getting Jalen Suggs. And now you have that point guard of the future and Jalen Suggs to pair up with this talented roster. Their future will look extremely bright. So, yeah, I could see them finishing eighth, but I think they'll finish 11th. And I'm, I was watching, I don't know if you've seen it, Jack, the, the G League stats came out for the first scrimmage and uh, Jonathan Kuminga and Jalen Green, they, they obviously showed out. And I'm under the impression where if we get those two guys or we get Cade Cunningham, we get Jalen Suggs, or even we let Wendell Carter go and get Evan Mobley, I'm fine with any of those. Even Terrence Clark was looking like he can be a guy. I'm, I'm fine with any of those guys. I'm okay with that. I feel like this is the direction. I feel like Kobe White is going to be our guy. Patrick Williams, Laurie, I feel like we're going to bank on him a little more. I don't think Wendell's going to stay for too long, but I think those are the core group and Zach, too, a little bit. But I'm fine with any of those guys. I'm hoping we, if we don't get in the play and we get one of those guys. So I'm good with, I'm good with all that. But I think Kobe White, Zach, they're probably going to start Otto Porter, Laurie, and Wendell. They're probably going to roll out that lineup. And I hope we see the improvement from Kobe White because we can know, we know he can score. So he can get hot at any moment. But can he be that playmaking point guard that we need him to be? Yeah, and, and I trust Billy Donovan. Obviously, I trust him more than Jim Boylan. But I trust him as a coach to get a lot out of that young talent that you guys have. So, uh, and, you know, you mentioned Thad Young and Garrett Temple, two former Nets who I like bringing in some veteran leadership and, and you know, showing these guys the ropes. And another great thing for the Bulls is in this new NBA system, you don't have to tank to get the number one pick. Just get a ping pong ball to bounce your way. And you guys are going to be a top three pick. Personally, I I could see the Bulls finishing around nine, maybe eight in a dream scenario or down at 13. I have them at 12. I think they're another team like the Hornets could burst some people's bubbles and could sneak into that play in game at 10. But I just don't know that they're there yet, but another team I think is headed in the right direction. I like what I'm seeing out of them as a franchise overall. So I think this is going to be the turnaround after pretty much five years of nothing good. So they're headed in the right direction. Well, 2015 was the last year of, of Tom Thibodeau. No. Yeah, but we've made the playoffs 2016, 20. Don't do that to us. I feel like ever, ever since Tom Thibodeau left, it's been kind of a decline. Yeah. How obviously the last like two years it's been off a cliff, but yeah, I like I like the direction the Bulls are headed in right now. We were gonna upset Boston one year if Rondo did not get hurt. (laughs) I'm telling you, the Isaiah Thomas year. So the next team we're gonna talk about is the New York Knickerbockers. Joel Moran is a fan. New York Knicks. The 12th seed last year, the New York Knicks finished 21 and 45. They were better with Mike Miller than David Fisdale. And for me, the storyline of this season is tank for Cade. And Nick fans, fans, before you dislike the video and ratio it out, hear me out. Last season, we had no shooters in the starting lineup. This season, we still have no shooters. <laughs> we brought in Alec Burks, who's a good shooter. But outside of that, the starting lineup is probably going to be Alfred Payne, RJ, Alec Burks, Julius Randle, and Nerlens Noel. Those are four guys that cannot shoot. And there have been rumors out of New York that they don't. The, the, the franchise doesn't like Mitchell Robinson's professionalism that much. 
So they're probably going to start Nerlens Noel because he's a Kentucky guy. There's ties there. And then you look at the bench. I mean, you, I mean, you look at the bench, Neil Aquino, Austin Rivers, Kevin Knox, Obi Toppin, Mitchell, Dennis Smith Jr., quickly, Miles Powell. The Knicks have a problem. That problem <laughs> is that there are not – their problem is that who – what player that sucks the most are we going to not play? Which player that sucks are we going to play? Because these guys are so equivalent, like DSJ and Franklin Lakina. Does any of them really give you an edge? Lakina gives you it on defense. Smith gives you it on offense. We know Austin Rivers is going to play. Kevin Knox maybe will play. Obi Toppin to play for sure. Mitchell too. But it's will Emmanuel quickly get a chance to play? There, there's so many guards on his team. DSJ, Frank, and Tatum. Miles Powell. I don't even know if he's going to play. I'm hoping he does. But we we brought back Alfred, signed Noel, Alec Burks, Austin Rivers, traded for Spellman, Jacob Evans, and signed Kid Gilchrist. But we lost Bobby Portis, Mo Harkless, Kadeem Allen, Damian Dotson, who I loved, Taj Gibson, and Wayne Ellington. We we pretty much like got the same back that we lost. Like, and I know Nick fans are are, are excited for the season because Tom Thibodeau's our coach. And though I do think he'll instill toughness, I just don't think that the Knicks season is going to go well. I think we have the worst starting lineup in the NBA. You, you look at OKC, Shea, George Hill, Al Horford. Those Lugan Dortz. Though, Lugan Dortz. But those three guys in Shea, George Hill, and Al Horford are better than our three guys in who? RJ, Randall, and Alec Burks, you know? <laughs> Like and then Cleveland, who were the 15th seed last year in the East, Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, their five is better than our starting five. I just think that for the Knicks to not be the worst team in the East, they a lot has to go right. And can that happen? Yes. But I just don't see it. And I just think that we you know this draft, there's a lot of superstars in it. Of course, I'm hoping that I get Cade. Worst case scenario, I'm hoping that we get. Jalen Suggs, who I love, or maybe a Jalen Green, and then slide RJ to the three. But we just got to – we have to – the Knicks are not in the position to compete. We have to keep getting younger talent and building through the draft. And I, I just don't know how the season is going to go. I mean, I know. I think we're going to be pretty bad. But uh, I'm not even optimistic about this season. <laughs> of course, of course I'll watch, but it's going to be really frustrating. I, that's just – all I can say for now. Well, mine's is pretty brief because it's really nothing to talk about. You guys had a pretty what you guys had a pretty silent offseason, but what you did was you didn't spend money where it didn't need to be. And that was the plus that you saw the growth and maturity of your front office where you didn't go, all right, we, he's just good. We're just gonna throw him money or we're just gonna throw him money. No. You made the necessary deals to fill out your roster, but still kept it one year deals or player op- team options so where you can get them off the books next year for free agency. So I like that direction. And your draft, your draft wasn't bad. Your draft was good. Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly. Those are two guys. Obi Toppin's a good player. And Emmanuel Quickly, he's a guy who you can get him in there. He can score. Miles Powell, if you get him some ro- some rotation, in, he can be a six-man spark. So it's going to be interesting. R.J. Barrett, and like I say for the Knicks, R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson's growth is key for this franchise for trade purposes, or winning purposes. Those two are the keys. And I think the Tom Thibodeau, those two guys, I feel like are going to benefit the most, especially RJ Barrett. He's such a hard worker. 
He's such a hard-nosed guy. He's going to work hard every day, every night, all day. So I think that's definitely going to benefit them. I got you guys finishing between 13 and 15 in the league. I think you're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. But I do think this is going to help you guys in the long run and getting a pick. But I, I do think you guys are going to be pretty bad. Yeah. For my take on the Knicks, I don't necessarily see them as a totally tier four team in the Eastern Conference, as crazy as it may sound. I honestly think they're closer to tier three than tier four. I loved a lot of what the Knicks did this offseason, but then there were moves that I just hated that make me like so tentative to give anything any take on the Knicks because I really like the Tom Thibodeau move. The more I thought about it, a defensive-minded head coach coming in with a team that you – the young talent, I should say, that you have was a good fit. I love the fact you got Obi Toppin where you got him in the draft. I thought the draft was a big W for you guys. Leon Rose, I think, has done a nice job since coming in as an executive and you know using his Kentucky strings to pull some guys into New York. And they started to build things the right way, but – I agree with you. You look at the starting lineup and this is not what they should be running out. Like I see no reason for like, especially Julius Randall. I would have traded Julius Randall for a bag of basketballs this off season. I would have done anything to get him off the books. Any, anything to get him out of that starting lineup. He should not be blocking Obi Toppin to start the year, especially after what we've seen from him in the preseason so far, he looked like a really good spark for that team after a horrible first jump shot attempt. He started to settle in, but I, I really do think that Obi Toppin is going to be a great pick for you guys, especially learning under Tom Thibodeau. But like, I would much rather see the young talent playing. I want to see RJ Barrett getting all the shots. I want to see even like, I know so many people are low on them, but Frank Nittlekina, Kevin Knox, see what you have right oh, now. No. They're just, bur- oh, no. they're buried at the end of the bench. And what is that doing for you? Like, are you trying to compete with a lineup of Alfred Payton, Alec Burks, RJ, Julius Randle, Nerlens Noel? You can't tell me you're trying to compete. So why not put the young talent that you drafted out there and let them sink or swim, and at least you know what you have, and you don't have to be second-guessing, does Kevin Knox have some potential left in the tank? You know, do I think they do? Not necessarily. But at least you could figure that out and move forward And like Joel said, you let a lot of those weird contracts go, which I thought was a very smart move. But then you brought in and retained some weird contracts that I just don't see helping you moving forward. So I think the Knicks are very slowly headed in the right direction. And it will take some time to right this ship. But if there was any time to be in that situation, right now is the perfect time. Because I had the Knicks finishing at 13 I could see them maybe getting as high as 11, but I could see them finishing at 15 potentially, depending on what lineups they throw out there, how Thibodeau meshes early on, you know, if they make any moves with the starting lineup. But look at what is in this draft. If there's any time to be bad, it's right now. And you're going to put yourself in a spot in the lottery where you legitimately have a shot at the number one pick and Cade Cunningham, who is everything he's going to be at the college level. So, you know, as bad as it might seem, I don't think the Knicks are in as horrible of a position as you might think, Joel. Definitely not as bad, in my opinion, as the next two teams we'll talk about. Well, look, I think of the next three teams we'll talk about, I should say. Jesus Christ. I think that the only reason why they're not in a bad position is because they didn't go out and try to sign a guy like Gordon Hayward for max money 
So they still have cap flexibility, which is good. So I, I think their offseason was okay, but, you know, they really they didn't get better from last year, for, in my opinion, outside of just bringing Tom Thibodeau and R.J. Barrett coming into his second year. In my opinion, I think they'll finish with the 15th seed. I can see them as high as 13, low as 14 and 15, as I mentioned, but I think they'll finish with the 15th seed in the Eastern Conference. They'll be the worst one in the East. Like I said, I have them at 13, but I will say to your point, that's growth out of them, not throwing money at Gordon Hayward. That's not a wise decision. And I think the fact that they made smarter decisions this offseason signifies that they are headed in a better direction front office wise, at least as good of a direction as you can head in with James Dolan at the helm all the way up top. So, you know, I, I would be co- more optimistic than pessimistic on what occurred this offseason. So we have three more teams to go. This next team we're going to talk about is the Pistons. The Pistons finished with the 13th seed. They finished 20 and 46. And for me, the storyline of their season is there's questions all around. What are they doing? Do they want to compete? Do they want to rebuild? You don't know. They went out and signed Mason Plumlee, Jeremy Grant. They traded for DeLon Wright, Rodney Magruder, Musa. You know, because they, they're giving a chance to Josh Jackson. They signed Jalil Okafor as well. In my opinion, I think the two worst moves of the offseason were you traded Luke Kennard, who was just coming into his own. And mind you, he got picked one pick above Donovan Mitchell. You know, so you gave up on Luke Kennard. Bruce Brown, who was good, you, you let him go. And then you let, you let Christian Wood go as well. And I think... Christian Wood, Bruce Brown, and Luke Kennard are all young players. They fit your timeline. Why did you trade them? That's that's my question. Why Questions all around. They also traded for Dwayne Dedman as well. But in a draft, of course, you got Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey. And for me, I mean, their starters are probably going to be Killian Hayes, DeLon Wright, Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin, Mason Plumlee. And off the bench, you got role players like Derrick Rose, Seiko Dumboya, Sadiq Bay, Wayne Ellington, Jalil Okafor, Isaiah Stewart, Mihu Luke. Uh, you know, he's has a weird last name, but it's just my question. Why did you trade Luke Kennard? Why didn't you re-sign Christian Wood? If you re-sign Christian Wood, you didn't need to sign Mason Plumley. And I and I'm pretty sure they gave Mason Plumley like a $30 million contract, if I'm not mistaken. Christian Woods was like $45 million in total. Christian Wood is young. I would have paid that extra $15 million. And then instead of having this team, I would have had Killian Hayes, Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, Christian Wood, you know, guys you can build around, Isaiah Stewart with Sadiq Bay, guys you can build around. So I don't know, you know, I have questions all around for Detroit. It, it, are they going to trade Derrick Rose? Maybe get a first round pick for him. You know, are you going to try to, like, where are you going to go? You know, because yeah. you, you signed Jeremy Grant, but are you really going to keep Blake Griffin? Are you going to try to trade him because he's not who he once was? Derrick Rose is worth something still. It's just weird all around. It's not, there's just questions all around for me. I don't know if they want to rebuild or if they want to compete for the eighth seed. Yeah. And we were just talking about the Knicks and I'll say like talent wise, I think the Pistons, especially like even if you eliminate Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose and even Jeremy Grant, if you don't want to consider him a young talent, I think the Pistons have better young talent than the Knicks at the moment. 
But direction-wise, I think the Knicks are headed in a much better direction than the Pistons because you mentioned a lot of the question marks that I had. You gave up Christian Wood for three worse Christian Woods on similar <laughs> deals. What was the point of it? He was the bright spot of the season last year for the Pistons, and you let him walk for essentially nothing compared to his value to the team to sign three other power forwards that weren't as good as him. It makes no sense. And then just to echo two questions that you brought up, I'll ask them even more pressingly, why is Blake Griffin still in the building? He serves no purpose to this team. And there are playoff teams that I'm sure would take him, even if you're selling low on him. I'd be fine with that because he's doing nothing but making you a slightly better team that's going to hurt your draft stock. And the same thing with Derrick Rose. You know there's playoff contending teams that want him. It's not, you won't even be selling low on Derrick Rose. You'll be selling high on Derrick Rose. You could, you just said it. You could probably get two first round picks for him from no, some team you get one. competing you get for one. a playoff spot. Maybe a one and a two. If the, if the Lakers hadn't gone out and gotten Dennis Schroeder this year, they probably could have gotten a very nice package from the Lakers. I don't know why they're so trigger shy when it comes to trading guys like Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin. It makes no sense f- for what they're doing. So Troy Weaver, just a very questionable first off season. I don't know what the plan is here. You look at this team, and again, I think they have some nice young talent. I like the Killian Hayes pick. You know, uh, we mentioned a bunch of the young talent they have. Although they let Christian Wood go, Sekou is a nice player. Shvima Kailuk, but again, you let Luke Kennard go for a worse Luke Kennard in, in John, John and Musa from the Nets. I watched him. He's not as good as Luke Kennard. Yeah. So what's the point of doing that deal? It makes no, no, no. They traded, they traded Musa for Bruce Brown. Yeah, and then in that deal, Shamit went to the Nets and Musa went to the Pistons. It was just dumb all around. So, so even worse, you gave up Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard, who were good for you last year, and you got back Musa. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't see the direction. I think they're very stagnant, and they're not – doing what they need to do to commit to the tank. And if you're going to tank, commit to it. There's no reason for $28 million, $30 million a year, Blake Griffin to sit there and give you 20 and and eight a night. You just don't need it. Same thing with Derrick Rose. He's a very good player that a playoff team can use. So take that value while you have the chance. You have three draft classes coming up that are super hyped. So take advantage of that. It's frustrating looking at this team and seeing there's some potential there and a lot of young talent, but they just seem lost to me. And I hope that Troy Weaver can figure it out, but his first off season was no indication that that's going to be the case. Detroit. First, let me start off with the draft. They had a good draft, solid draft. Killian Hayes, I think is their point guard for the future going forward. I like Derrick Rose mentoring him. I think that's going to be very good. Sadiq Bey is a solid player. I think he can be good. I think Siku Diombe, whatever his name is, he's going to be good along the lines. He's a great defender early, so he's going to be good down the stretch. Free agency. They paid all these people for what? You paid Jeremy Grant when you could have paid Christian Wood for less. You traded Luke Kennard earlier in the year when he was on a breakout season, and he still has a team option on his deal for next year, so you were still going to have him for cheap. And then Bruce Brown, I I don't know why they would let him go. You picked up a bunch of – you have a log jam with the big man spot. You still have Blake Griffin, who has a player option. He's probably going to accept it next year. It's at $35 million. I would accept it, so I know he's going to accept it. 
And now you're just stuck because you're in this position with all these bunch of players and you're not going to be competitive. I mean, I have them maybe getting into the play-in, but they can easily be as low as 13, 14, 14th in the East. And I don't see the direction. They don't have any talent that wows my eye. Derrick Rose is definitely a trade asset. They, they should get off the books. You need a first-round pick is essential in this year's draft. They can get another one with Derrick Rose. They maybe can steal another one with Blake Griffin. Maybe they can steal one from another team. I don't know what team, but they could definitely steal one. I think the direction Detroit is going in is pretty bad. I don't know the mindset and paying Mason Plumley, but this team isn't equipped to be a good playoff team, and this team isn't bad enough to be a bad team. So I think they're just stuck in the middle like Orlando in a sense, but Orlando's a little bit better ahead of them. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. They're stuck. And my projected seeding for them is 14 seed. I think they'll they'll be better than the Knicks. The Knicks will be <laughs> last. The Pistons will be the second to last team in the Eastern Conference. But I can see them finishing as high as 12 or 13 and as low as 15. You know, I just think there's questions all around. You don't know what they're trying to do. And hopefully they trade some of these players to get some picks back. I wish they would have never gave up Luke Kennard or Bruce Brown or Christian Wood. But let's see what direction Troy Weaver wants to go in. Yeah, I have them finishing at 14. The only reason I have them finishing at 14 is because I like Dwayne Casey as a coach. I think they have some talent, even though they're lost in a terrible direction. I think they're stuck. I do think they'll finish above one other team this year at 14. I could see them getting as high as maybe, maybe 12. But I could also see them easily finishing 15. Yeah, so the next team we're going to talk about, two more teams and we're done with the previews. It's been a long episode. The next team we're going to talk about is the Atlanta Hawks. They were the 14th seed last year in the East. They finished 20 and 47. And I think this year, The storyline for the Atlanta Hawks is Trey Young has help. Clint Capella's coming back. Ray John Rondo, you sign him. Chris Dunn, Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Solomon Hill, Tony Snell, even though those are lower tier guys. They lost Dwayne Dedman, Jeff Teague, DeAndre Bembry, which aren't huge losses. They got a head coach in Lloyd Pierce, who still is looking to prove himself. And Nate McMillan is an assistant on that coaching staff. Nate McMillan played a huge part in Indiana. He's a, he's a really good head coach. He's, a, he's really good at developing young talent. So he can probably put Lloyd Pierce in the right direction, got him in the right direction. And then in the draft, Onyeko Okongwu with a six-pick, Scholar Mays. And, I mean, this team is stacked offensively. Trey Young. Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella off the bench. You have Kevin Huter, Rajon Rondo, Cam Reddish, Okongwu, Gallinari, Chris Dunn. I mean, this team is stacked. There's questions about their defense and how good they can be on that end. But I think they're a really stacked team offensively. And Trey Young finally has players around him. I mean, last year I was looking at a video from Thinking Basketball by Ben Taylor. He was talking about uh, players that would have had the most assists this past season had happened. I'm pretty sure Trey Young was number one. Yeah. Trey Young was number one, but his but his teammates missed the most. That's why he didn't get those assists. 
And Trey Young still averaged nine assists, I'm pretty sure, nine or ten assists, right? So imagine him with this roster now. He could probably he could possibly average like 14 assists. That that that's pretty crazy. And I think James Harden was second, but Trey Young finally has help. And I think every Atlanta Hawks fan is looking at this season as a playoff year. Yeah, you want to talk about going out and spending like drunken sailors. How about bringing in Bogdanovich, Gallinari, Chris Dunn, Rondo, Okongwu, Clint Capella? Like, they, they, they went for it this year. They know what they have in Trey Young. They knew they needed to surround him. And they're in an Eastern Conference where, yes, there's six teams that are almost definitely going to make it. But the last two spots, plus two playing spots, are totally up for grabs. So let's build something over the next couple of years. And you're also looking at a Hawks team. I know they finished terribly last year, but they were missing John Collins for the first 20 games of the season, uh, a bug that bit the Phoenix Suns too, and they faced a similar fate out West. So I think getting John Collins back for a full season, adding in all of that talent, you know, they're a team that it's very easy to fall in love with on paper. It's going to take a lot of work to get all this to mesh but I like Lloyd Pierce. I love Nate McMillan coming onto that staff. He did a great job putting the pieces together in Indiana, at least in the regular season. So I think that this Hawks team is a playoff team. Offensively, they're going to be deadly. I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a move just because they have so many pieces. It's like, where are they all going to play? But that's a good thing because even if they move a piece, they still have so much depth that they can afford to bolster that future while also keeping what they have now in, in a very good group. I think that Trey Young is going to be borderline MVP conversation this year with the numbers he puts up. I know how bad he is defensively, but I could seriously see him going for like, like Joel said, 28, 29, and like 12 this season, which would be ridiculous numbers, but we know he's capable of that. We watched him do it last year. So with a better supporting cast around him, I love bringing in Rondo to bring in some veteran help. Gallinari was there in Oklahoma City last year with Chris Paul, so he'll bring some veteran leadership. And I just think as much as defense is a question mark, you have some solid defenders. Clint Capella is a very good defender at the five. Collins is an underrated defender at the four, more than the five. Then DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Rondo, Chris Dunn. They have defenders, and they have scoring. They just need to find a way to make it mesh, but I think they're a playoff team. Man. Yeah, I know how I feel about Atlanta, man. I'm going to start off by saying shout-out to Lloyd Pierce. He's a pretty solid coach. He's a coach on the rise. I think he's going to do really well with this program. I think this is the right guy that they picked for this job in rebuilding the Atlanta organization. I think even though they traded – for Trey Young, they could have had Luca. They traded for Trey Young. This is still the guy that I feel like it's not. A, it's, it's like when the Rockets picked Hakeem Olajuwon and the Bulls got Michael Jordan. Yeah, Michael Jordan was behind Hakeem, but you didn't go wrong with Hakeem. I don't think Atlanta goes wrong with Trey Young. I think Trey Young is the guy for them going forward. I think they got Bogdan, Danilo, Gallinari, who are great pieces for this team. I think the young guys in Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and John Collins are going to be good. Even Onyeka is going to be solid. I think the veteranship and the championship pedigree of Rajon Rondo is going to be key for Trey Young's future potential. I think Chris Dunn is an excellent plus defender off that bench, and I think he's a still a young player. He's going to be good for this team. And Kevin Kuerter, I forgot about him. He's a sharp. He's a sniper off that bench. This team, 
is it can run 10, 11 deep, and this team is going to be really solid going into this year. Defense is going to be questioned. Absolutely. I think their starting lineup is going to have some defensive questions. I think Bodon is starting along with DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint. But I think this team overall is going to be a playoff team. I have them as a seventh seed in the playoffs. I think they can drop as low as 10, but I think they'll be in the hunt all year. They'll either be in the playoff playing or they'll be in the playoff. And I think Trey Young will be on the cusp of an MVP season if he puts up that 25 and 14 and they're winning. Because I think even last year he put up MVP numbers. They were just horrible. So I like this team going forward, and I think they're going to be a really solid team in this playoff run this year. And, you know, a question that people have about Atlanta right now is, will signing guys like Gallinari, Bogdanovich, Rondo, Chris Dunn take away from the young guys they want to develop like Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter? I don't think it'll stunt their growth because I personally feel like the best thing to develop young players is by winning. And we've seen that in Boston in the, in the first year when Jalen Brown was a rookie and they made the playoffs with that team of A.B. Bradley, Isaiah Thomas, and uh, and Al Horford. Terry Rozier was on that team too. They got better because they got a taste of winning, a winning culture. That's what gets you better. If you keep on losing, you're not going to get better. You're just putting up empty stats and losing. That being said, you know, they spend a lot in the offseason like a drunken sailor. And... <laughs> <laughs> I just had to say that. So they spent a lot in the offseason, and I think it, it has a chance to pay off for me, you know. But before I give my where I have them ending up, I think they can be as high as fifth. Mm. I really think Trey Young is that superstar level talent, and they can be really high. Their question is just really a concern. Their defense is just really a concern for me. That's That's what I'm questioning right now even though they do have some individual solid defenders. So in my opinion, I think they'll miss the playoffs barely. I think they will be a ninth seed, but they can be as high as fifth. And I can see them being as low as 11th, maybe. But I have them finishing ninth, just outside of the playoffs, just outside of Indiana and Washington, which I think could take that seven and eighth. But I can see Atlanta making it over Indiana. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel similarly. I could see them finishing at six. And I can't really see them finishing much lower than 11, but I have them sitting at eight. I think they're going to be a playoff team. And even if they finish at nine or 10, I can easily see them making it through those playing games into the playoffs. I like this team a lot. They have some question marks, but I feel good that they'll put it together under that coaching staff. What do you have them finishing, Riv? I thought I said it. Oh, <laughs> I, I, said, I didn't even know you said it. I said I have him at seven seed. I have him as uh, high as seven, but I think I have him as low as ten. But I don't see them out of the playoff hunt or being a lottery team. Mm-hmm. So, yep, the storyline for the Atlanta Hawks is Trey Young finally has help. So let's see what he's going to do with. Let's see how good at the Atlanta Hawks will be this upcoming season. Drum roll, please. Now the last team in the Ooh. team preview slash predictions, the 15th seed last year, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So they finished 19 and 46. God. And I think a question a lot of Cavs fans are having right now that some or some may not have the answer to is can Colin Sexton and Darius Garland work? Before you, know, you start, did you see the quote that Andre Drummond said? No. He said, with this new coach, I could be defensive player of the year. Yeah, okay. So. <laughs> 
in, in my opinion, I think what's happening with Cleveland right now, and before I get some backlash for this, let me explain, is the same thing that was happening in Golden State, where oh, Steph, okay. you have Steph Curry, you have Monte Ellis, you have two small guards, and you don't know if they can work together. Golden State eventually ended up trading Monte, and we know what Curry became. And for Cleveland, what is that? Is 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 Sexton, does he have the higher ceiling? Is he the better player going forward? Or do you bank on Garland? You know, which direction do you go? That's a question mark. And in my opinion, I think you ride out this season and see what, what happens. Because I, I really don't think they're as bad as people like to like to think. I mean, they, they traded for JaVale McGee. They signed Della Vadova back. They signed Damian Dawson, who I love. They signed Thon Maker. They drafted Isaac Okoro. They only lost Tristan Thompson. Their coach is J.B. Biggerstaff, who did a pretty good job in Houston when he was there. And their starters are Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, Kevin Love, Andre Drummond. I mean, if this backcourt is what, what the Cavs want them to be, then it should be a very good team. And when you look at Isaac Okoro and his defensive potential, there's a lot of potential there. And then off the bench, you have Damian Dodson, Larry Nance, Dante Exum, Kevin Porter Jr., who some people are expecting him to take a jump. Seti Osman, Della Vadova, JaVale McGee. Talent-wise, I don't think this team is as bad as people like to think they are, but I think the East is just so much better in terms like the East. Each team has a superstar talent or a star talent, or they have a bunch of very good players. I mean, we know that Andre Drummond isn't an offensive threat at all, and Kevin Love isn't what he used to be. Kevin Love is more of a spot-up shooter now. He doesn't have the strength to play in the post, so, you know, what's happening there? And he's very injury prone. So if Kevin Love gets injured, I can easily see them being the worst team in the East. But if all of them stay healthy and granted health, I can, I can see them finishing like 13th. I see them finishing as high as 12th, but I can, finish them, I can see them finishing as low as 15th as well. Well, I, I like this team. I like the direction. I like the young guys. I think... Kevin Love is eventually going to get moved off the books, but I think I agree with you. I think they should ride this season out. One thing I do think is this is in the front office's mind is Kevin Porter Jr. How good is he going to be? Because he is a two guard playing behind Colin Sexton. So I think if he is going to be that good, I think you trade Sexton in a sense, but I do think Sexton is better than Darius Garland right now. I think it, moving forward, you're definitely going to find out who you're going to be riding with. But I think Colin is more of a two than a one anyways. I think he's more of a scoring threat. I think Darius can be that playmaker type guy. And I think Isaac Okora is going to be really good for this team. I think this year they're going to see a lot of growth and maturity. And it's it's good because this is a young team that has talent and a young coach. So they're going to get better together. And they're going to gradually improve. But I don't expect them to be nothing major. I think they're going to be between the 12th and the 15th spot. And they're just going to be a lottery pick. And that's going to be good. Because then this draft, like we keep saying, has a lot of talent. And in that talent, then you can get Kevin Love or Andre Drummond off the books. I, I don't feel as good about the Cavaliers as you guys do. I think they're in a similar position to the Pistons where they have some good yeah. young talent. But like... Kevin Love has got to go. He should not have stuck around this long. Andre Drummond, I feel like, doesn't fit their timeline. So although I thought they got great value for him in that deal, 
they should have flipped him at some point. You could get good value for Andre Drummond. So I don't know what the point of keeping him around is. They're not competing. They're not competing anytime soon. So I feel like it's just a waste to not get assets for him. And I don't think they've done a great job drafting. I don't love the young. It's not even that I don't love the young talent they've brought in. I just feel like they're drafting a lot of similar players like Garland and Sexton do the same thing. They're not great playmakers or defenders. They're really good scorers, but they can't be on the court at the same time together. Kevin Porter Jr., I mean, he's got a lot of raw talent, but he almost got kicked off the team. He did get kicked off the team, almost got kicked out of school at USC, and now he's here in the NBA getting a gun charge this offseason. So it's like, when is he going to grow up? When is he going to mature? This is a guy you spent a lottery pick on. Like, do your research. Do your homework on the man. No, Kevin Porter was a 28 pick. I'm sorry. You're right. He was a late pick. Either way, do your homework. He's really young. That's not a guy that is that a guy you want to bring into your building after the problems that he's had. Like, I just don't love the direction of it. Isaac Coro, I thought was a solid pick, but I don't think he's going to live up to the fifth overall pick that they took him at, especially with a guy like Obi Toppin on the board that I think has so much more potential. I just don't love the direction they're headed in. I don't think they've done a great job hitting on their draft picks. So I feel like they're still caught in that LeBron hangover where he didn't put them in a great position because you gave up assets to fill the team out around him when he was there. And now he leaves, the team is built around him and you gave up assets in the future to help him. And you got to scrap together the pieces to make up a team and try and rebuild. They lost the, essentially a whole season with John Beeline, who clearly had major problems last year with this team. So I like Bickerstaff coming in, but it's like you just wasted a year with your young talent trying to develop them. I just feel like they're a little lost as a franchise right now. And they need to do better in the draft and hit on more sure things. Like I like Colin Sexton as a player, but he's not the superstar that they thought he was going to be. I just feel like they need to do better in the draft because no one's coming to Cleveland. Nobody is willingly signing in Cleveland. So you need to do better, find a a star level talent, a legit star level talent that you can build around and then maybe start to entertain the Andre Drummonds of the world. But right now, him and Kevin Love just have no business on the roster, in my opinion. Get the, get them off the books, get picks, get young talent, and figure it out. That's my take on them. I have them finishing at 15. I could see them finishing as high as 13. Like, for me, they're in that range of teams that are just lost right now. Any of them could be in that same bottom three flipped around, but I have them finishing at 15. I mean, honestly, I think the reason they have Drummond there is this, I mean, just to fill out the roster, because even though your team is young, you don't just want to put out scrubs there just for the sake of development. Hey, Drummond is relatively young, too. Yeah, like, if, if you want to develop young players, you have to put them around players that can put them in positions to succeed. I mean, obviously, basketball is different than football, but in football, are you are the Jets, let's say if we have, like, a Trevor Lawrence or a first-round pick, what we do in Sam Donald, right? Are we going to put him in the worst possible position to, to succeed and to, and start young guys because just so we could develop them? I know they did, which is dumb. <laughs> just for sake of development, like, I don't think the Cavs should trade Drummond for a pick and trade Kevin Love just because and then have a starting lineup of Larry Nance and JaVale McGee. Like, I think... Well, I would have never brought in JaVale McGee. I know, I know, but I'm just saying, like, 
you have to have good players around these young players so they can develop as well. You can't just put them in the worst possible position to succeed. We see that with the Knicks right now, where R.J. Barrett's supposed to be our franchise player, but they have not surrounded him with any shooters. And he's, he's, not, in, he's not in position to succeed. I, if I'm, in my opinion, I'd rather have, like, I'd love Kevin Love on the Knicks to space the floor, you know, for R.J. and bring in Alec Burks. He, you know, I don't like the contract, but when you talk about a player and the fit, I like that. And for those players, I mean, say what you want about Cleveland, but they have spacing. Sexton can shoot. So can Garland. Isaac Okora, we know, is shaky. But Kevin Love can shoot. Like, they do have some spacing, and they're not the poorly spaced team in the league just like the Knicks are, you know? So I think can you got to put can, your young players in positions to, to succeed. Can they coexist, though? Like, can you have Sexton, Darius Garland, Okoro on the court at the same time? I think Okoro is certified at the three. Okoro I think the other two, two or three. I think the other two is still too early to say. I, to me, they just they seem like the same player. I don't think they fit, but I think this year it's it's crucial for the Cavs to figure out which player they think is going to be better, which one they project to be better moving forward. You can't just go out and trade one and just be like, okay, now we're we're stuck with Garland or Sexton. Because if we're being honest, if Golden State did that, Curry was going to be out of Golden State. If they, if they if they jumped the gun on that, Monte Ellis was going to be the franchise guy. And we know if that would have happened, that would have been the worst mistake ever. But instead, they played it out and said, you know what? Curry projects better. So we're trading Monte. I think that's what the Cavs have to do, have to do right now. I, I was saying that more of as an, an indictment of their draft rather than keeping him around. Because now you have him, you might as well figure out what you have. But I thought that they could have done a better job. Drafting. You know what I think, Jack? I think whoever they pick next year is going to depend on who they let go. I think if they go in the direction of a point guard, Garland goes. I think if they go in the direction of a two, Colin Sexton goes. I think both are trade assets in general. But I think whoever they pick in next year's draft is going to really determine. Like if Jalen Suggs falls to them, I don't think they hesitate on trading Darius Garland. I think he's gone. Well, I think if if like a Brandon Boston or Jalen Green falls to them, I think Sexton would be gone too. So I think it really comes to the draft or even free agency if somebody does decide to go. And it's like, all right, well, then we know who to give up. Yeah. And, and let me say this. I would be fine with keeping Kevin Love around. He won a championship. He's a good veteran leader in the locker room. But when I look at Andre Drummond, like, I would feel much better trying to go out and spend $40 million on Jeremy Grant, who was looking for a bigger role on a worse team, than paying Andre Drummond $30 million a year. Like, I would rather trade Drummond, get some assets, and go out and get a guy like Jeremy Grant or maybe a Christian Wood, and I get it. They need to want to sign there. But I, 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 question, I question some of the moves that they're making. And I understand they need some veteran leadership. And I lo- I, I, I'm okay with the thought of Kevin Love sticking around because his value is slowly decreasing. That's fine. Keep that veteran leader. Get a veteran backup guard to bring in. I commended the Bulls for bringing in Garrett Temple. Guys like that, I think, are perfect to build a culture like that. And I just don't see that happening in Cleveland right now. Isn't Drummond just on a one-year, though? His contract expires after this year. I think they re-signed him. I can check right now. You talk while I check. Yeah, I I think he did opt in, but even more reason to trade him this season. You know, instead of letting him walk for nothing. So what's River, his contract? River Brown. Free agent in 2021. Okay, so yeah. One so, year. 
he's a rental, you know, so we'll see what happens this season. But yeah, that's our preview for the Cavaliers. And we finally made it through this whole Eastern Conference preview. My legs are beat. I feel like <laughs> my legs are out of my body right now. You know, so this I mean, we pretty much said, I mean, just to recap everything, let's just say what the standings for the Eastern Conference are going to be. In my opinion, I have the Bucks first. Then let me get my notes fully out. I have the Bucks first. I have the uh, the Heat second. I have the Celtics third. I have the Nets fourth. I have the Sixers fifth. I have the uh, the Raptors sixth. I have the Pacers seventh. Then I have the uh, the Wizards eighth. I have the Hawks ninth. I have um, who else? I have the Bulls eleventh. I have the Hornets twelfth. Then I have the Bulls thirteenth. I have the Pistons fourteenth, and I have the Knicks fifteenth. And I forgot where I had the Cavs. I think I have the Cavs thirteenth. I might have missed one because my notes are scattered. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, I go. I have uh, Bucks at one, Boston at two. Toronto at three, Brooklyn at four, Miami at five, Philly at six, Washington at seven, Atlanta at eight, Indiana at nine, the Bulls at 10, Charlotte at 11, Pistons at 12, Cavs at 13, Knicks at 14, and I don't remember who I was missing. Magic. Oh, okay. So drop everybody down, put Magic behind the Hornets, and boom. I went Bucks at one, Celtics two, Nets three, Heat four, 76ers five, Raptors six, Wizards seven, Hawks eight, Pacers nine, Magic 10, Hornets 11, Bulls 12, Knicks 13, Cavs, or no, I'm sorry, Pistons 14, Cavs 15. So, yeah, those are our playoff standings. We knew it was scattered. But this was a very long episode. I think I'm almost reaching three hours. So we appreciate it for guys if you stuck around. This was our Eastern Conference preview slash prediction show. Thank you guys for watching. As always, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast, on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod, and subscribe to us on YouTube at Pick Aside. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, this is Al Galdi from the Al Galdi Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show that you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand its team podcast network and business operations. Now, Blue Wire is raising another round on WeFund. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand its sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. 
If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire Investment Round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. That's wefunder.com slash bluewire.